the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Welcome, welcome everyone to Neighbors Trash. I'm Paul with Kelly and Joe, and uh, we're here, as always, talking about Scream. Um, now, we've done four episodes. Uh, we've done Scream 1 through 4, and now we're doing Scream. Uh, so, 2022, last year, uh, Scream 5, or Scream as it's called, I guess, uh, came out. And we all watched it. This is my first time watching it. I think oh, okay. you both have seen it at least once. Is that correct? Yes. I've seen I've seen it several times, yeah. This You've is my second it. time. Okay. You've seen it I, several well, I, times, Kelly. I saw okay. it. Well, I saw it in the theater with Kellator. And I saw it in the theater with somebody else. And then I, wa- I watched it on my own. I watched it with Joe. And then now I watched it again. Okay. So. So I've seen it enough. <laughs> that's more than anybody should have to see this movie <laughs> it's it not, not there I, I think this uh re- i realized just how bad it was today i like just finished it maybe 10 minutes ago okay oh so you're I you're fresh off. Dead. go ahead joe sorry joe go ahead no no i keep interrupting i'm sorry uh <laughs> i think it's no exaggeration to say that kelly basically got this whole thing moving on on doing scream reviews on this podcast just so that we would all watch the two newest ones. <laughs> Is that right? Guys, no, no. You guys love these movies. You've seen all of them. I've I've now seen all of them. Yes, but that was. I'm not worried because yeah, you watched both yesterday, and I'm worried that you're gonna remember things no. from the the six that you're gonna keep talking about. No, I'm not. And I went back through today, and I made sure that I'm not gonna add anybody or or talk about anything from six. I have my story straight. I'm also, Kelly, you're gonna go through the 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 story, so I'm not gonna be the one talking about it. So I won't throw anything out that's uh that's in six. Very confident okay. note from Paul. I like that. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it, guys, because uh, I'll tell you what, I, I got some shit to say. I'm I'm ready. Uh, the Scream Industrial Complex does not want to hear what I have to tell our listeners. Oof. The straight dope. Uh, this, this movie's got some problems with specifically me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do want to say up top, though, that um, since I am probably going to be critical of the movie in a lot of places, I do think it's a well-made movie in general. Like, uh, I, I still rate it higher than, like, Scream 3 or whatever, you know, in terms of quality. Um, it's just there's some interesting choices that we'll talk about. That's interesting, because I don't know if we... I guess we'll do this real quick, because you said that, because I, I was going through this, and I, I have this movie at the very bottom of oh, my, my Scream ranking. Uh, yeah. I think it's very obvious that Wes Craven wasn't involved. Like, like the way it, the story moves and the way the characters react, I think it's just very like noticeable. Yeah, I agreed. It feels more like a, a much more kind of like a new generation or like a the the new take, the new series. Yeah. yeah. Then Scream 4 ever did. Scream 4 felt like a Scream movie while also feeling very new and like exactly. a fresh. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. And Wes was involved. Yeah. That's, I guess, yeah, that's what I was, my whole thing with this one is that it's like, I get that they want to kind of, you know, they want to bring in the the flavors of the new horror and the, the new popular horror genres, but four, I feel like did that and felt very much like a scream. And this one is just, um, does yeah, it doesn't feel like that at all. All right. Yeah. We're talking all about right, this. So oh, let... Sorry. Go ahead, Kelly. Go ahead. I, I was just going to start the the first scene. So whatever you're going to say, no, get no, it in there. That's smart. That's a good way to do it. We should say <laughs> We should save the big retrospective, uh, retrospective discussion for the end. So let's just talk about the movie. Yeah. So I was going to say the very, so I guess the first difference that this is going to be the the um, first time this has happened in a scream, there isn't really an opening kill in this movie because it is the main character that's involved in the talking of the ghost face in the beginning. So we don't know that in the very opening, but um, there's not like the normal kill and then goes into the movie like there usually is so in the very beginning um tara is our main character um she's played by jenna ortega and um she gets her call from ghostface while she's home alone she's trying to get her friend amber to come over and she says that she has an unlocked liquor cabinet she's trying to get her over ghostface calls and uh they do the 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 normal back and forth between ghostface and tara what's your favorite scary movie except now it's the new generation so she likes movies like hereditary and the witch and not all these lame slasher movies that uh used to be around in these so everyone used to love these slasher films but not tara so that's where we are right now and you guys can jump in with other stuff in this scene yeah well they very specifically invoke the phrase elevated horror which is now mm -hmm. uh it's looked down on and uh, and dis, you know sort of uh, disrespected. That's that's the wrong word. Uh, disdained. That's probably the better word. Um, the way that people used to disdain the the phrase like genre fiction or something like that. Like it's it's meant to be uh, meant to sound like hoitier and toitier than yeah. horror movies. And most people you know, when they hear elevated horror, they just say like, "What's wrong with horror? Like, why does it need to have that?" Uh, that you know the intellectual label slapped on it um, I gotta say I can kind of see both sides of the argument I do think there is some difference for for those kind of elevated horror movies that the elevated you know a phrase uh, that she invoked with those specific movies but uh, on the other hand I get it too like it does kind of have like a implicit shade at regular horror movies it's an interesting concept not a good term I don't think like I it's you know exactly what She's talking. I've never heard this term, I guess. Um, Elevated horror? Yeah, I'd never heard oh. anybody refer to that new style, but I knew exactly what she meant, even like before she said like the examples of what that means. I'm like, I know exactly what she's talking about, but like, yeah, I'd never heard anybody refer to it that way. And I, I did. Gotta, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm I was not a fan. Say <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. No. I, I'm uh, done. We're in a loop. We're going to be in this loop forever. Yeah. <laughs> Catholic Midwest loop. I was just going to say, I think it set up really well in this movie that it was going to like um, really make fun of the stab movies in this one. Like it was going to be like a joke because this is the first time it wasn't like a, the cool thing to do to see the stab movies. Now it's like, oh, you like the stab movies still? Like that's stupid. 
So that's like the new thing in this movie. It's not like the, oh, like stab was a important part of our town. And now like we do all these like cool things that surround about stab. Everyone's going to see the new stab movie. Now it's like, oh God, that's stupid. Well, Kelly, Kelly, you say that, but then at the very end of the movie, uh, there's some, there's some indignity about uh, people not appropriately appreciating the stab series. But anyway, um, also, yeah. uh, I just want to say that I think Stab 8 looks incredible. <laughs> I want to see Stab 8 so bad. That is a part that definitely speaks to what Kelly was just talking about when they're like when there's like two YouTubers uh reviewing the new the new stab and you see that they the guy has like a arm-mounted flamethrower as his kill weapon or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like that that is funny. And uh I don't know, maybe this goes back to what call, uh, Paul was talking about a second ago about you know the use of the term elevated horror, which I agree has problems and, and shouldn't be the, you know, should not get ingrained uh, with how we talk about horror movies. But like a lot of horror movies have gotten stupider. <laughs> like there are, there are some no. dumb, real dumb concepts out there. And a lot of like, especially nowadays that you don't have like that middle class tier of movies being made anymore by large studios. Like you don't have those 40 million, 50 million type budgets anymore. So what you do get are sort of a glut, I think, of uh, of very low concept, uh, cheap horror movies that are kind of there just for like the viscera a lot of the time. Um, so it's interesting to me that they exist alongside the Jordan Peele movies of the world or the eighth was the A24 uh, yeah. is that other studio. It's uh, so not that not that they're like one's inherently better than the other, but it is kind of a, a big time right now for that dichotomy like both of those things exist in great numbers in in my estimation yeah very true sorry that was barely about the movie at all no no it's good uh i just was i was trying to go like go back into it without cutting you off with that but uh, I was just gonna say that um, so we're we're in this the middle of the scene. Um, the, we also have like newer like ways that um, she's kind of like defending herself throughout this. Like the now it's those cool like automated locks on her phone. So like um, it's kind of got like the the elevated version <laughs> of uh, trying to get away from the killer. It's uh, like we we find out that he's like not only does the voice but he also has the code to like switch the locks on her so that was kind of a cool new thing um i did yeah. think i don't know how you guys felt i thought i know it's the same guy doing the voice in all these but like i thought that like this was like the lamest ghost face call mm. like the way that he was doing the i i think it's just a personal thing too because i hated the way he said group like it like made me cringe every time he said group and he kept saying it because he was like, oh, mom always talks about you in group. And I was like, ugh. Group. Like, yeah. <laughs> every time he said that, I was like, ugh, stop talking. And I think that, I think I just saw him as like an annoying, like creep instead of like a scary ghost face, like usual. All right. Well, here's, here's a place maybe to start <laughs> this theme. Because uh, I think that what you just pointed out is something that I noticed, um, coming in such close proximity to us watching Scream 4 is that a lot of what they did in Scream 4, they're doing again in this movie to try uh, to again yeah. set up like a Scream 4 wasn't worried about setting up a new trilogy. It was just worried about being a good movie. And this is trying to set up a new trilogy. So it's just reusing a lot of those same like sequel tropes that they were talking about there. Um, and just not doing it as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One of those, 
Yeah. So like one of the things that I think you can point out is that like the ghost face pattern, which I was already a little critical of him for, um, like, yeah, it's not, it's not quite as good. Uh, these things are kind of just a paler quality in this one. Yes. I think like at least four did the, like I, they didn't do anything with this one. They didn't try anything new and they didn't add anything. Like it, it wasn't ex- like the, I, I do think like where she kept locking the door and it was unlocking, like that was very tense. And there was a couple, like the fight was well done, but I just like that whole sequence was boring. And I thought the dialogue was flat and I didn't like their, their back and forth at all. And I just felt like it wasn't, it, just for what we're used to it's kind of like keeps at least it keeps kind of building on itself and being more ridiculous and giving us more and doing something else and it's like i wanted to see another thing and it's just like oh you did you did scream one worse i guess that's the theme of this movie but um that's that's like i just felt like to start this whole thing it was just like oh that wasn't very interesting and now here we go. Let's see what happens. But it didn't didn't start off on a on a good foot at all. I don't think. Well, I think too. You're used to like I said the the um opening that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. So the fact that he stayed on the phone with her so long and we got to know her character so well was especially before you even know that she's a main character. You're like, why do we care so much about this girl yeah. if she's just gonna get murdered? Um, and then she, she she should have died. So like they didn't even do it in a way that like it was like feasible that she lived through that because he stabbed her so many times like in the gut around like he stabbed her like repeatedly stabbed her through the hand. I know that's not fatal, but that was gruesome. Um, stabbed her through the hand, stabbed her in the arm, stabbed her a thousand times like or everywhere. She should have died. Like she shouldn't have still been like walking around. So it, I think it was supposed to be like, oh, you now it's like a fake out. You thought that was the opening, but uh, surprise, this is the main character. But then it's just like, couldn't you have like not been so graphic with it to the point where we didn't have to like see all of that? So like she could have had like a less like crazy wound. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're you're both <clears throat> making excellent points because like Paul, the specific thing you said that I really keyed in on was like you're not doing anything new, and that is true. And it's so true that every single thing that they do in this movie that is different uh, is just borrowing from one other movie in the series that already did it, mm-hmm. which is like, man, can you give me something a little more than that? Um, and then to that point, uh, Kelly, you're totally right. The, uh, the, the, I guess the one thing that they do subvert here that I guess they haven't done so far in the series is that the opening confrontation with a killer does not end with the death of the other character, right? Uh, but like, they don't sell it. <laughs> they don't at all make it believable that she could have survived that encounter. Like it was still it, it, one of the most graphic uh, stabbings that they have done, you know, uh, killings yeah. that they have done yeah. to this point in this whole series. I talked last time in four, how I thought, you know, I agreed with Paul that they're like, you know, one of the deaths in particular was pretty gruesome, but to me, none of that shit compares to this movie, and they are just really overemphasizing the gore and the stabbing and the violence and they, uh, to the point that it makes it totally unbelievable that like half the people who survived this movie survived. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he got her in the front and the back. Like he would have to be horrible <laughs> at like missing like organs for that to not like that was crazy. 
I'm sorry. That's the funniest thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I wonder if these in police reports. You know, like uh, you got her in the front and the back. And the back. <laughs> Get the corner. <laughs> That's too much. That's two places. <laughs> oh God, that's funny. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's just, I don't know, like uh, it, whatever. I, I've spoken throughout this entire series about how much I appreciated the first movie feeling more grounded than some of the others did. And I, and still most of them had that sense of grounding, I think, you know, through the first four. And I really appreciate that because I think it does make the stakes all the more believable and it makes the you know the series of events more credible you know as they as they tell them in the plot um and this movie is not really concerned with that whatsoever <laughs> this, uh, it's for a new generation i guess but you know like i don't know i guess it was pretty successful maybe people maybe this really is like the new flavor uh that that is in you know in hot demand but i don't know i was just like i will say this jenna ortega I'm glad she lived because she is very, she's a good actor and I like her character in mm -hmm. this movie. Kelly, you described her earlier as the main character. And I think that's totally right in terms of like her, her character's importance, but in terms of like screen time and agency, I really feel like she takes a backseat to her sister, which yeah. to me is, is a negative. I have no, no shade whatsoever to the, the actor who plays her sister is just that character is way less interesting than Tara is. Um, so I kind of, I did end up wishing we got to see a bit more of, of Jenna Ortega and the Tara character. Yeah. They don't really tie her to the rest of the group very well. Like they kind of try to, like they kind of have, they kind of like mention that there's a thing between her and Wes where he's like uh, in love with her or something, but that never really amounts to anything at all. Like they don't even talk to each other. So like it, it was kind of pointless to even have that as a thing. Yes. Um, and, and for and the listener, just so you know, uh, uh, we were talking about Wes earlier. That was Wes Craven. There is a character in this movie <laughs> named Wes after him. Uh, so that is the character Kelly was just referring to, who also not enough screen time. Yeah. yeah. And I guess uh, what um, the only thing before I move on to the next scene, we didn't really mention Amber in this scene at all, but she kind of played a big role in, in the opening scene because for <laughs> the entire um, for the entire time with Ghostface, at first she's texting her friend Amber. Um, Amber suddenly turns into Ghostface, and he starts to be like, "I'm not Amber," and he starts taking like a video of Amber getting ready in her room that he starts threatening um, Tara with. And that plays a, that's, she's really worried about Amber's life. And then she realizes that Ghostface is there. So that ties Amber in. Amber's uh, supposedly, I think, supposed to be her best friend at this point. Um, or at least one of the big friends in her friend group. She's the one that's like worried about, most worried about her health in the hospital and uh, worried about her having in her, her inhaler at all times. So if that's, that's not a best friend, then what is? <laughs> Yeah, she's got weirdly coded mom vibes too, because like they make a reference later to her like boxing out boys from uh from like you know like I don't know from Jenna dating basically or, or Tara excuse me from Tara dating. Uh, so yeah, there's more telling than doing with that character though, unfortunately, when it comes yeah. to talking you know the yeah. friend between her and frankly anyone else in the movie. But uh, again, we'll talk about it, Kelly. Why don't you move us along? I, I, and when when they were mentioning the boxing out of the guys, I guess I assumed that they were trying to say that she was in love with Tarot is what I got from that too. I did too, yeah. Um, 
so from here we go, we meet Sam and Richie. So Sam is Tara's sister and she gets a call from a uh, previously mentioned Wes who is friends with Tara and was babysat by Sam at some point and there they all know each other. So Wes calls uh, Sam and tells him that or tells her that Tara was attacked. So she has the news. She's working at a bowling alley somewhere um, in like a small city outside of Woodsboro. She has fled Woodsboro and her whole family and is working at a bowling alley with her boyfriend, Richie. Um, so they get the call that Tara is in trouble and uh, Sam decides to go home and Richie goes with her. <sighs> yes. <laughs> Larry, Sorry, I, come on. I can't stand Richie. I can't stand the dialogue. I can't stand anytime he's on screen. I hate this dialogue Are you so serious? much. His dialogue was bad, but I liked Richie. I thought he was sweet. Like this, like it just the, I don't know, just a very of this generation character dialogue back and forth that I I absolutely cannot stand. And <laughs> like the whole time, every time Richie was on the screen, I'm like, God, Richie, are you kidding me? Like I just, I just did not like his character at all. I agree. <laughs> the opening scene was rough. I hated that dialogue, but I, I he grew on me. Like through the rest of the movie so that's funny you hated him the entire time the only thing i liked is um when i thought he didn't know about the screams and he kept trying to watch him on netflix and was like oh, getting yeah, into was him. Funny. like yeah. i thought that was a fun like side thing he was doing and i enjoyed that but otherwise i, I was not a fan of this character okay he, yeah sorry go ahead, i'm go not ahead. gonna I, 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 i'm kind of going off point because it's not going to be about richie but uh jack quaid it's so funny how a, a weird blend of, because uh, he's got two famous parents. So he's got Jack Quaid, or uh, what's that guy's name? Daniel Quaid, whatever. You guys know. Uh, his dad and Meg Ryan. <laughs> and he looks just Dennis like Quaid. each of them if you try to look yeah, at him. I didn't know that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks just like Meg Ryan, but then uh, wh what's the guy's name? I'm sorry, I know it's Quaid. Dennis. Dennis, Dennis? Dennis Quaid, yeah. Okay, I should remember that because that's our dad's name. Um, but yeah, he looks just like each one if you like look at him. I just wanted to say that. That's all I got. <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned it because, um, you know, I, we have at times throughout these movies referred to people as the actor rather than the character that they're playing because a lot of times like casting matters that much, right? Like the Parker mm -hmm. Posey character, we all love Parker Posey and we called her Parker throughout. We didn't really talk about her character's name. Uh, <laughs> I forgot what it was. Exactly. Because sometimes the casting is that, you know, that good or that that effective. Uh, in this particular case, I'm glad you mentioned that this character, you know, Richie is played by Jack Quaid because he is like the visual and also like charismatic uh, epitome of the character he is playing. Right. That that kind of guy and mm -hmm. the kind of guy he is, is like the sweet, caring boyfriend who also has like the kind of like millennial uh humor uh kind of thing going right where he's like ironic and wry but also like he's in touch with his emotions and he's like a good uh you know supporting uh significant other uh so i think he really like epitomizes all those all those qualities you might say he has meg ryan qualities and dennis quaid qualities <laughs> perhaps now, now that we know what his father's name is kelly i guess <laughs> I mean, I knew, I knew it. I just couldn't get there. Okay. I was really, I was just hoping you would say Randy Quaid. That's what I was really. <laughs> it was a Quaid that was in Breaking Away, and oh, in Parent Trap, he was great in Parent Trap. All right, moving on. 
<laughs> so from there, um, we see that they're going to head back and then we meet the the new teens of this movie. So we go to the school where we're meeting. Um, I don't think we know uh, who's who family wise yet, but basically all these characters are going to have um, characters in like in their family that were in the first fourth scream. So we're meeting all these kids. So we've got Mindy and Chad, who are twins, and their uncle is Randy from the original series. We've got um, Wes, who is mom is um, Officer Judy from the less important Scream 4, but still important enough to get a, a second character. Um, help me out, guys. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I was so excited that she came back. And... Were you? That's fun. What? <laughs> Are you not a fan of... Uh, no, I she, am. I just think it's funny. Sheriff? Now? <laughs> I am with you. I'm trying to figure out what the hell that tone is trying to convey because we know that she's a huge officer or a Sheriff Judy fan. We know that. So that seems to be aimed at you somehow. I don't know. Okay, no, 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 no. I'm trying to protect myself now because I was saying that in jest with the characters because they kept saying that, you guys. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was... I kind of forgot your feelings on uh, deputy and now sheriff judy so i have so i did not expect you guys to get so mad so fast <laughs> but yeah they kept saying oh but that movie didn't matter it wasn't one of the originals which is why i said that you fools okay okay i was gonna say because yes you know your, your <laughs> sheriff judy uh love has spread amongst us like some kind of uh, parasite because i am i'm <laughs> big time Sheriff Judy fan and was very happy to see her. Um, also, I like that like her her son, Wes, is like one of the better actors or or, or at least one of the better uh, characters in the, in the new cast or whatever. So I really like that you know, her character was connected to that as well. Um, maybe it's possible that I just think that uh, Wes is a good character because he has very 90s hair, but uh, he looks like- Incredibly 90s. Like, right, yeah. just doesn't really fit in with the rest, but like in a good way. Like he feels no, like it, he should be in a screen movie. I yeah, think exactly. you can very yes. easily tell that he's a Midwestern. Like you can usually tell when someone's like a Midwest race person that goes to Hollywood. I know that's an Indiana boy. You can't fool me. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he actually looks like a Scream character. I think that's what Paul just said a second ago. Yeah, yeah, that he absolutely. And not only that, not only like visually does he kind of like sort of superficially fit in with like the 90s look of the early movies, but I also think that he is one of, I'm going to say three uh, actors in the new crop of teens that actually like has a personality that's distinct. Uh, I think yeah. he's great. Like, he's a bit more taciturn, a bit more kind of melancholy. Like his mom is off, you know, Sheriff Judy, like she's been through this shit. Um, he, he conveys a more like a sense of seriousness about the situation and caution that I really like. Cause it sets him apart from everybody else. Who's like too busy having like a quip fest. Yeah. He's the only one that yeah. seems to genuinely care about anything. And it shows like, I have more to say about that when we get closer to um, the, him and uh, Sheriff Judy scenes later. But like, yeah, he's the only one that seems to care about Tara. He calls the sister. He gets everybody involved. He's uh, worried about everybody. Yeah, he's the only one that cares. Everybody else just has jokes. Yeah, totally. I, <laughs> I think he's great. I think uh, Jenna Ortega and, and her her portrayal of Tara is great. Um, and then probably of like the new kids. 
Well, I think the 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 boy twin, Randy's nephew or whatever. What's Chad. His name? Chad. Chad. He's like sufficiently funny to me to be like one of the good quip guys. It's just I wish that they weren't all doing it. Like just yeah, have one or two, you know, be like the funny guys and let you know let everybody else kind of convey the seriousness of the situation. But anyway, yeah, it probably would have made more sense to just let Mindy be that character and yeah, yeah, let everybody else be a little more serious or have a different kind of personality. You're right. Yeah, I don't understand the dual Randy in this. Like, I get that they're related to him, but like it didn't feel correct that there were two characters that were supposed to fill that role. And it's like, yeah, just have Mindy or Chad do it. Yeah, and they, they just were... needed more characters for like, was like did, they, did they though? Because I feel <laughs> like there's like I feel like there's 15 new like quote unquote, you know, pro tag. Uh, kids in the group or whatever but I, I know it's not that many it's closer to like six or seven but like fucking a it's six or seven yeah <laughs> holy shit i would have gotten i would have gotten rid of uh was it viv i thought she was just annoying the whole time and then like i well she had the tie-in that didn't make any sense i don't know if this was supposed to be more before and just didn't turn into anything but this scene happens right after we meet the teens where we have vince the guy from veronica mars um he's like very, very creepily standing nearby we learn that he like hooked up with viv at some point and he's following her around no one really gives that too much of a second thought like and then they all leave viv to go talk to him and then we just kind of forget he exists and then the, the next thing we know he's dead like we don't mm. really have much time with that character at all i don't really get what the point of him was I don't know yes. if anybody, any of you guys was a Vince fan. You're going to get real mad about this. <laughs> it's I'm not pa possible. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, Paul. I'm going to pretend to uh, real quick. Hold on. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, for, for our listeners, uh, he can be referred to in his Veronica Mars capacity, all Kelly wants. Also, <laughs> I'm also a Veronica Mars fan, though, so that's good. Uh, but this is Kyle Gallner, uh, and he was the Flash in Smallville. Uh, so... Yeah for some of our extremely old listeners who might remember that. Uh, but also Kyle Gallner, I was really glad to see him show up in this movie. He is looking like buff as fuck. Uh, he's got like a, a seedy mustache and long hair. And to Kelly's point, they are positioning him as like this wrong side of the tracks, bad boy uh, who one of the new teen characters like hooked up with the previous summer or whatever. Um, but he's only in like two scenes and then all of a sudden, Ghostface is stabbing him to death. Yeah. yeah. That's all we get with him. I, I just thought, like, I, I know he was, like, supposed to be, like, lined up or, like, oh, it might be that guy. Even though no one in their right mind would think he was Ghostface. It's just kind of like, that's too obvious. He walks in. But then they're just kind of like, yeah, you know what? Let's just kill him because, yeah, he's not Ghostface. For he's real. Gone. I mean, if that was originally how that character was conceived, where you wanted mm -hmm. to have, like, some sort of, like, person coded as, like, you know, from, like, the the, the bad part of town or whatever uh fine but like that only works if you if he's around toward the end like just immediately killing him i guess you could argue is like a subversion of expectations but it doesn't feel that way it just feels like really poorly plotted and kind of lazy it yeah, happened it was way weird. too fast it happened way yeah. too fast and it was like i was not ready yet for another kill and they did not justify why this like, we didn't spend any time with, not justify, but, you know, didn't give us enough time with this character for us to even react anyway. They didn't I feel even like. tell us, yeah, why he was bugging Viv. Like, he, like they didn't tell us anything. 
Now, if or Liv, is, whatever the hell her name is. It's something Ivy. I think it's Liv. Um, okay. This, they, hooked up, they hooked up the previous year, right? The previous summer they hooked up and he's been like kind of creeping on her a little bit off and on, I thought is what they said. Am I wrong that but, this person is related to Stu? Is that a spoiler? Yeah. We find that out later. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Oh, I guess I never caught that all the thousands of times I've seen this movie. How is he related to Stu? He is Stu's nephew. Nephew. Oh. Okay. Stu's sister's son. But um to I, I, was, going, <laughs> I was going to ask uh if anybody thought that that reveal, which comes 20 minutes later into the movie or whatever, like whether that reveal really justifies how little time we got before that character was killed. And I still say no. Like, no. Yeah, no. like he could have done anything. Like all, I he didn't even get much like speaking time at all. Like he just uh, this is a little bit in the future but like he goes to the bar with them and literally he just he, he gets his knife out and he's like live come on like she's gonna go like why yeah. would he just assume she's gonna live come on knife okay. drawn. oh yeah of course <laughs> sounds good be... yeah, i will they, leave they... the crowded bar with my new from my new boyfriend to go with you that makes sense <laughs> to me what it's just a stupid i the setup the whole thing where i'm just i could not believe it and i i thought they were going to follow through and just have have ghostface ram him with the car and why didn't they yeah that would have just been stupid enough that it would have been like guy getting stabbed through head level ridiculous that it would have been enjoyable but he gets out and it's like the the whole sequence just like yeah didn't didn't land and it felt like fell out of nowhere and then it's like okay i guess <laughs> that guy's dead um he was yeah. suspect we'll to, for well, 5 seconds i'm going to back up just a little bit cuz we got two scenes and then that scene comes up anyway okay. so before that we've got we've got what you talked about um richie and sam are driving in the car they're they're getting to woodsboro and this is when Richie like is um has never seen any of the stab movies and he's like excited about them and um Sam's like teaching him the lore and being like, oh, it's based on something that actually happened, which is funny to me. This keeps coming up, but especially in this movie, you'd think that this wasn't an actual incident that happened in the town the way they put the movies first on all of this stuff. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, like uh they're replicating these movies. I'm like, yeah, but they're also replicating a like a fucking murder that happened in yeah. New York City. Like it was a real thing, you people. Um very so like, very inconsistent uh the extent to which stab movies are actually about anything happening in Woodsboro. Because we've seen <laughs> so many stab sequels at this point that are like meta commentary on horror movies in general. Uh so I guess in the eight stab movies that there's been, they've covered the at this point four uh scream movies it's just there's four other stab movies that are about yeah. something else completely i guess that's true and i guess they would be the the later ones that they probably have more like they've seen come out and stuff and gail stopped writing her damn books about them so they're just like <laughs> we gotta yeah, we, we gotta do. find our own content yeah. can you can, just I, i'm asking though for like right now just for one second like contemplate an actual horror franchise that is like that think about that we're like you get a scary sort of grounded slasher flick about like real life events. And then like every other one you get like scary movie, the comedy, uh, <laughs> what a weird series that is. Yeah. That That's poor, true. poor family. <laughs> Stop laughing. It happened to me. 
Okay, guys, we can laugh at this one. This is an odd-numbered one. <laughs> oh, no, Sid Sydney's back, so now we sad again. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> so from here, um, so that's a, these are pretty quick scenes in, in succession, but, like, from here we go, we actually go to the hospital, and uh, we see Tara. We see that she's alive and kicking, does not seem like she's been stabbed back and front. Um, and through the hand <laughs> the the three worst kinds of stabbings that i think that you can you can go through um so she's in the hospital she's got all her friends around her and then we have sam walk in um and you like the the way that she's greeted like shows that uh she she left on bad terms with pretty much everybody so like um she's she's uh, introducing people to Richie and so it turns out she had babysat all the kids she's got some weird animosity towards Amber that everyone seems to have so but it, it's clear that Sam up and left and like ditched Tara at some point so that's where we are right now yeah I, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> sorry I um I don't know I just don't have a lot to say about this because it's just like none of it really like a lot of it it was so boring to me that I barely registered it and it was a lot of just like dialogue right away that I was just like you know launching into all these stories and characters that barely know each other and it's just like I don't know I just had a I had trouble caring about any of this and this yeah whole... it was a it was a very cheap way of trying to like get you to know who everybody was without having to show anything. It's just kind of like, all right, let's just have someone walk in and introduce them to somebody else. Like that's the only like introduction we get. We don't really have like the, oh, I wonder what that was about. Or I wonder what this is. It's like, this is this person. And yeah. I know they're from here. And it's like, oh, neat. Everything is laid out and nice and neat. And it's just like, yeah. okay, now that we're all on the same page, continue <laughs> with the story. Let's get this fucker. <laughs> Let's get this movie over with. <laughs> the thing that really stuck out to me was um, how uh, their mom must be a terrible person. She's at a conference of some sort. She Her her daughter almost mm. dies. And then she just kind of calls and checks in and is like, well, I'm at a conference. What kind of mom <laughs> wouldn't come home from a fucking conference? Like, she I doesn't think... even say what like what kind of conference this is. But how, how would it ever be that important? Well, like Kelly... We know how this movie, this movie franchise feels about women who have sex. So <laughs> they have to completely abandon their families. And um, yeah, I the, the mom situation is weird in this. I know that there seems like a lot of people are thinking like the mom has to make an appearance at some point. But I feel like they were kind of inconsistent about what the relationship was between Tara and the mom and and also Sam and the mom, like, it feels like it was, like, there's a couple times where they're just kind of talking about it, like, oh, yeah, like, mom says, like, it's going to be, like, it sounds like they like, she's checking in, and it's like, you know, they have a good relationship, but then other times, they don't at all, so I don't really know what we're supposed to believe about that, but it's strange that she's absent throughout this entire movie. Yeah, the entire thing, and it's funny, the uh, uh, mom checked in, yeah, I was almost stabbed to death, she checked in. <laughs> We're good I mean, even Sid's dad shows up eventually in Scream 1, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. And he, had a, he, and he was revealed to have a very good reason for not having been around. Uh, yeah, oh, God bless you, Paul, for saying that you don't have a whole lot to say about uh, this 
particular scene because uh, I feel like I do. Uh, the the gal who plays Sam, which is Tara's sister, right? Like yeah. kind of big important character that you know Tara got butchered in the opening part of the movie. You now see Sam traveling come to come back to her hometown to see her sister, um, and you kind of hope that like, hey, uh, this character is going to be on equal footing at least in terms of be as being as interesting as Tara mm-hmm. is. And she is not. No. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Sam. Uh, the woman who plays her, her name is Melissa Barrera. She is perfectly fine. They are giving her nothing to work with. Uh, Sam's whole deal is just to be like boring and to basically only have two facial expressions. One is like vaguely happy. And the other one is the face you make when you're hoping that somebody didn't hear the embarrassing stomach noise you just made. <laughs> Like that's all she looks like throughout the entire movie is one of those two things. And her whole deal is to just either say like, I'm sorry, or to be like, no, (laughs) that's kind of it. Uh, She doesn't do anything or say anything that matters. Uh, And you kind of just wish that somebody you're going to spend so much time with would be more interesting. It makes the, the Sid character in the way that Nev Campbell has played her throughout all the more incredible, right? Cause she is, she is also your every woman stand in uh you know main audience character or your main character for the audience to identify with and she gives it so much more life uh than or she was able to with the script you know give it more life than this poor woman has anything to deal with so i feel bad for her you're you're right she is very forgettable like i i just watched it and like as we're talking i completely forget sam in most scenes it's it's usually um one of the other kids that steals the scene or richie it's like that's that's all i really remember like through scenes can i say one small nothing about scream six absolutely um, that oh oh he's going back i know i've already (laughs) i've already got back on my promise from the beginning of this but watching this back to back the only thing is that it's sam is so much better in the next one that she is I kind of forget that she's so bad in this one, but she is really bad in this one. And by bad, I just mean, like you're saying, forgettable and just not really doing anything with this character and not really, you know, not her fault, I'm sure, but like just really given a performance, it's just like, it's like, why, why aren't we just following Tara? Why do we need Sam here? Um, It doesn't, I don't know. It's, it's, but. I think that the the reason it became like so flat, I think that they thought the Billy Loomis stuff was going to be way more interesting than it actually turned out to be. So I think that they were banking a lot more on that and her hallucinations than making her interesting herself. I think that I think th- that is interesting. Like I do think the parts where Skeet shows up, as we'll talk about later, you know, as part of like these hallucinations of hers, that is interesting. And the way that it pays off in the end, I think, is pretty good. Um, it's just that like that can't be her whole deal. Yeah. Like, mm. show me some interiority that comes with the connection to Billy that we'll talk about here in a second. Like, give me give that character anything else to do. And they're probably trying to serve too many characters such that you know they can't really give Sam the time that she needs and and the in you know the the opportunity she needs in order to like show all that. But like she don't get it. And it would be kind of interesting, you know, mini spoiler here. It would be kind of interesting if the way that paid off was the way that, you know, uh, the Roberts girl character, uh, uh, God, what's her name? Emma Roberts character pays off in yeah. the previous movie. 
Like that would have been an interesting turn here had it not already been done. Uh, right. Yeah. What we're that's, left with that is just nothing. <laughs> and that's how I felt about Jill the whole time. I was like, what is with this character? Why is she, she's not quite like, I know that the, she's a good actor and I know that like, like I'm enjoying everything else in this and it seems like it's well-directed. Why is she not really, she's not, I'm not feeling anything from her. It totally makes sense after that incredible reveal at the end, but for her to the whole time. And I also didn't, I will get into this more too. I kind of, I feel like, so she's, she's battling with mental illness and substance abuse. And I feel like she's doing a lot of apologizing and just as far as like, it, it seems like the family kind of, I mean, I'm, she left, but I mean, is that totally all on her as much as the movie kind of presents it to be, you know, like, and at least from the other characters, like Tara, especially, I felt like, unless I'm forgetting a, a major scene where they kind of resolve this a little bit, I felt like they, that she was often blamed for that stuff. And it was more her like, you know, I'm going to be a better person. And it's like, that's stuff that is like, not necessarily her fault you know it's i don't know i didn't think that was handled yeah. very well no 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 paul you're right on you're absolutely right on uh it is uh marine prescott all over again just this character who's getting absolutely lambasted and, and murdered from like a character assassination standpoint for no good reason i mean like uh, we'll we'll talk about it here in a second but when she's tearfully telling her sister like why she left town and the pressure that was put on her by her parents uh to like not interact with tara like yeah no everything that happened makes a lot like her choices after that make a lot yeah. of sense those were choices that she made after an adult who's supposed to be in charge of like protecting her uh did some of the worst stuff you know mentally at least that you can do to like split two siblings apart right uh, so yeah i agree with you like she's apologizing for stuff that really isn't her fault yeah, I mean, her like they said her dad left immediately. I was like, he didn't even give that a second thought. Was he like already planning to leave already, or like? Have yeah, we... plus like one of those two kids is still his. I know that's <laughs> right. what I was thinking. I was like, damn. Yeah, that is that's. Have we talked about that? Uh, what we're kind of alluding to? No, here? that's okay. a little. We so we um before that we've got we go from the hospital to back to the kids at the bar, which we already kind of touched on. Um, but the kids playing at the pool at the bar, we kind of get, um, this is more talking scenes, so we don't really get any action yet. This is still all like getting to know everybody and what's going on. So they, they kind of talk about how Sam left town suddenly. So we get another, another hit of that. Oh, Sam's a bad person because she left kind of deal. Um, and then this is also where we kind of, they kind of start touching on the rules, but it's not like the full on rules session yet. But they have decided that everyone they're all suspects. So anyone is a suspect. And then we also have the bar fight that we also talked, we already talked about. And we have the death of poor Vince, whom we all loved. <laughs> oh, Vince. Hardly yeah. do ye. <laughs> Literally. Uh yeah, we're we're getting the uh a lot of talk kind of in the early going um about you know how all of them are suspects and they're like well what's my motive they're like what's your motive gonna be where were you last night like a lot of that kind of like again quippy back and forth um re talking about a, a very uh consistent franchise trope right like the talking about the rules and motives and, and everybody being a suspect so on and so forth but kelly's right that uh we haven't super gotten into it yet because we keep going back to it over and over i know they do it so many fucking times 
Fuck That's basically all that Vince did in this movie or this part of the scene is he interrupted the rules just to be like, get in the car, live, and then die. Like, <laughs> yeah, like come on, man, we almost had the rules. Yeah. Kyle Gallner, <laughs> God bless you, sir. Since uh, you know, since we were gonna have to spend roughly 45 minutes of this two-hour movie hearing about the rules and like this justification <laughs> yeah. of their spin on it, you, Kyle Gallner, uh showed up to be Vince and get butchered just to have something, anything else for the audience to look at. So uh, mazel tov, sir. We appreciate you. <laughs> so after, I'm, I'm going to skip over the deaths just because we already pretty much talked about the whole thing. Um, so Vince is is dead now. Um, that's very rough on everybody. Everybody's taking it very hard. Mm -hmm. So we go back to the hospital. Um <laughs> And this is where we have Richie is starting to watch all the stab movies. So he's on his, his computer in the side of the room watching all the stab movies. He's getting very into them, like he's watching them for the first time. And he's he's playing that off really well. He, I believe him that he's watching Kelly. these all Kelly. for the first time. Um, <laughs> reveal already. Uh, let's just say that he is seeing them for the first time because he mentioned on the ride over with his girlfriend. <laughs> He doesn't really know these movies that well. And she says these things actually happen. So he's decided that he's going to watch them to bone up uh, on the tropes because the killer obviously works in tropes. So he's doing homework, Kelly. He's doing his yeah. homework. You're right. I'm sorry. That's right. Um, and this is also where we see Sam is visited by Billy Loomis for the first time. So we see this is when Skeet gets his big um, reveal. He's back in Scream. Looks exactly the same. Yep. Um, I don't know if that makes him an old teenager. He looks super young now. I'm not sure which, but he looks exactly the same. So we're seeing him. He's he's basically like, you're a killer. It's inside of you. I'm inside of you. I'm the serial killer, man. So it's pretty lame, but it's also kind of cool to see a character come back at the same time. <laughs> yeah, right, it's gonna, cool. I'm, Go ahead, sorry, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sell this really quick, a little bit harder than Kelly did. <laughs> <laughs> And say that the way that he shows up back in the franchise, which is fucking cool, and one yeah. of the best things about the movie, uh, is that uh, Sam is driving in her car and she's like emotionally upset, and then she sees Billy Loomis in her rearview mirror. He's sitting inside the car behind her, and she like slams on the brakes because she's so scared. And then Billy starts talking to her uh, and telling her, you know, hey, uh, hey, I guess those meds aren't working so good like they used to, and. And also, you know, saying what Kelly was saying, like, I'm inside of you and blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's creating this, this connection that we're not totally sure of yet. But it gets skeet. It's actually him. It ain't old footage. It's him nowadays in full Billy Loomis gear, including like his white T-shirt and uh, 90s hairstyle with some cuts on his cheek and whatnot. Like, he looks great. Um, and I think it is like sufficiently interesting where it's like, okay, like I, I got more time for this movie now. Like there's something going on here. I can, uh, you know, be interested in. Yeah. Didn't hate this. Uh, I, I felt like um, it was cool seeing Billy. I'm glad he came back and he, he reminded me, uh, he was giving a very intense, like Keanu Reeves. And he was also looked a lot like Keanu Reeves in my opinion here. And it, just like one of those performances that I just, I, I love already. So I was excited uh that he was he was back and i see it now i see his hunkiness i think i just needed the time <laughs> and uh maybe a little bit of dirt i don't know but uh i get it <laughs> he needed to age into it i guess for Paul. maybe yeah you're like damn 
Um, so from here, okay, so th I guess that was in the car right over. My apologies. I forgot exactly when it happened because she has the second hallucination after she takes her meds in the hospital. So I think that's what I was thinking of. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, she has a second hallucination. And then from that, she gets the, uh, does she get a call from Ghostface at this point? She's in the hospital. Um, and she gets attacked in the break room, which is a very, very risky place to suddenly attack somebody because anyone yeah. could have walked in there at any moment. And that could have been over for Ghostface because how is how are they going to get out of that one? They're very lucky this hospital is constantly abandoned. Yeah. And, and nobody yeah, else is receiving any sort of treatment and <laughs> nothing is happening. And there's barely anybody at the front desk and the cafeteria is completely empty. Like... All right, yeah, I'm going to do a very old reference here, uh, but yes, the killers are lucky that this hospital is as dark as season one of Scrubs when they were shooting Scrubs in an actual condemned yeah. old hospital, and it was super <laughs> fucking dark because they didn't have any lights on except for the lighting used for the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll notice the difference if you ever go back and watch. Believe me, you'll see That's it. You'll interesting. Be like, yeah, you'll be like, how did I ever notice this? This hospital is that dark at all times. It's like I knew they filmed in a hospital. I didn't realize there was such a stark difference. So they moved to like a they moved to a studio afterwards. Yeah, well, whatever it was, they they got like the money to put like infrastructure or, in or yeah. shoot on location. But yeah, like when you watch that first season, it's like holy shit! Like you can barely <laughs> see anybody. <laughs> I recommend they actually watching... just moved to a real hospital and started treating real patients. I'm surprised <laughs> you guys started... didn't know this. <laughs> oh, <damn>. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> go watch season one of Scrubs instead of Scream Five. <laughs> um so from here i i, I didn't uh detail my notes from right here very well enough but i say officer judy is back so i'm excited about that but mm. i think that she's here to talk to sam because this is when she's like she's also mad at sam for leaving which is bizarre to me yeah. because uh, to uh, to sheriff judy she should just be a girl that just left town but she like oh. makes a big deal like you've abandoned your community like some kind of Gilmore girl shit. Like oh, Kelly, like... goodness gracious! I gotta be put in the position again of of trying to defend this movie. I can't believe it. Oh I, my god! <laughs> I do think I do think this is somewhat decently earned uh, because I think the, the implication is is that Judy and Sam had a lot of run-ins when Sam was like. Uh, using alcohol and drugs to like get away from the reality of stuff that she learned from her family. Uh, and then Judy doesn't know about all that shit. Like she doesn't know the reason why Sam was like wilding out in town, a very small town in Woodsboro. Uh, but she was, and so it put them at odds quite frequently. And then Judy also pulls like the you left town uh, card against her to sort of like get an extra dig in. But I, I do understand why they're at odds. I get it. Uh, yeah, this this actor is, is lucky. They're charming, or I don't know what they're doing, but they pick a fight with like all the main characters in Scream, and it's Sam? never. Yeah, I, it's never. Uh, what'd you say? I said, are you talking about Sam? Sorry, I just missed. No, the Judy. First part. Judy. Judy. Okay. Yeah, or not Officer Sheriff Judy. Well, Kelly, first of all, you got to say, got to say the actor's name. Come on. I said Sam. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I was I was making a joke about uh, we we can't just keep calling her Sheriff Judy. I mean, we know that Marley Shelton is the actor <laughs> that plays her and that she rocks. So we will say nothing negative about her. Yeah. 
We are we are all at odds over Officer Judy. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Judy's throwing this whole podcast out of orbit. Podcast <laughs> listeners should also know that uh, Kelly had me watch Sugar and Spice for the first time last weekend. Uh, and Marley Shelton is in that as well. And it just made me like her even more. So that's part of the reason why. Which one is her better performance? Sugar and uh, Spice. Uh, oh, Sugar wow. and Spice. Well, she's the main character, though. I mean, she's given so much more to do. Uh, I think she does a great job as Judy, like both in the yeah. last movie and this one. You know, and it's like you were saying, Paul, like she has the charisma to pull off being kind of combative with a lot of people and you still end up liking her. Well, Officer Judy is there to do a job, and we respect her for doing her job. Yes, we do. Thank you, everybody. We all do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically, um, I think that, um, so this goes from Sam being attacked to the Officer Judy to back to the hospital pretty quickly, like, she kind of gets over being attacked very quickly and all the officers also are just kind of like, are you sure? Like she does like the break room's fucking destroyed. Like, do you think she just went in there and just like, like threw a bunch of tables around and was like, look at me. Like, I was wondering if partially they were trying to sell that everybody kind of understood that she was going through treatment and mm. that they're like, Oh, this is just one of her episodes sort of like, like I could see it in a different world kind of playing on that sort of the like stereotypes and the stigma around mental illness and like people being under the impression like, no, it's just, like she did this and she's just, you know, picturing things. And I'll go ahead and say it. I don't know if we're going to, we'll, no, we'll talk about our, who we thought it was, I guess at the end, but yeah. Um, yeah. So this, in the, the hospital scene, that's where we are. And um, from here, this is when Sam actually tells Tara about Billy Loomis. And um, Tara gets incredibly upset, way more upset than I think anyone expected her to. Well, um, but okay. I think she's mostly, I, but hold on. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. But um, I think I think mostly she's upset that uh, Sam left for that reason more than the actual thing that she told her. But um, it's... It, it is a, a the first scene that kind of shows any kind of emotion between those two characters, so it was nice to have like that that first scene. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say that specifically when she tells Tara about Billy Loomis, what she tells her is that their mom, their their sisters, their mom uh, had a diary that uh, Sam found that said that uh, that revealed that Billy Loomis had had an affair with her mother and that he was her actual father um or maybe they had hooked up before uh and they, they were in high school at this point so it was just been okay. like yeah so that makes her been... it makes the dad even a bigger asshole frankly i think so yeah yeah uh so that's a great point thank you for clarifying that so yeah uh their mom had hooked up with billy loomis had sam sam's the older sister mm -hmm. and then uh uh tara's father married their mom and then tara was born and then i guess tara's dad leaves uh i guess because he was pissed that he thought that uh sam was his daughter but it turned out she wasn't so then he abandons the family entirely yeah uh, incredibly quickly like yeah. they said like 
he overheard her say this to her mom and then just left. That was the last they saw of him. But yeah, he raised Sam. So like in his mind, Sam should be his daughter. And then Tara is his daughter. So like that is a really like a really fucked up thing to do just to leave without even clarifying. Like a a 13 year old is yelling. Like he doesn't he didn't even clarify that this was like a true statement. Yeah, you know, (laughs) that's true. He's just ready to believe it. Or maybe it was that he didn't want Sam to know. Maybe he knew and like he was hoping she never found out and he couldn't handle it after that. I don't know. It's yep. but that's the only way I can dream. figure it is that he hears that this this girl that he thought was his daughter, Sam, turns out not to be that maybe he has doubts that Tara is his uh, daughter as well. So like, but still it's a big piece of shit move. He was a piece of shit for doing it. We don't ever really reckon with that, and the movie doesn't really talk about it much. Certainly none of the blame is placed on Dad. It's all placed on Sam for uh, her guilt at, quote-unquote, like destroying their family um, by virtue of finding out that her dad was Billy Loomis, right? Like, that was her great sin. Uh, But yeah, I just wanted to point that out really quick as a way of also saying that, like, both of you have mentioned that um tara reacts to this by like freaking out in a way that doesn't really feel commensurate with the with the revelation or or you know doesn't she gets angry in a way that you wouldn't really necessarily expect i guess um and the only thing i'll say about that is i i do think that jenna ortega does a good job uh by really emphasizing the line of like you just drop all this shit on me like that's that's what, what she's reacting to the hardest in her reading of all of her lines and i think I appreciate that. That makes some sense to me where she's just like, this is a lot all at once. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious that we're ever supposed to think that Tara is a suspect, but I'm wondering if maybe they're a little bit trying to put a little Jill doubt in there. Like, oh, maybe she's playing it up. And mm. maybe it's like just trying to throw us off the scent a little bit, even though Ghostface is never rolling around in a wheelchair in this movie. <laughs> <to people. laughs> oh no, that would have been funny. Who is it? We have no idea. <laughs> we can't figure it out. Could be anybody. He's, he's slowly getting away. <laughs> what if we had a, a main cast of like of 30 of them, like say seven of them were alternatively abled, right? Wheelchair yeah. or something. They're like, oh, okay, well then we're still <laughs> suspects on the board. Yeah, That's then true. it would work, but it should be more inclusive. You're right; it shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't rule out everybody that's in a wheelchair. It should happen. Just because those faces <laughs> up and running around. <laughs> Once again, could definitely be Tara. <laughs> Once again, the movie just isn't doing the necessary work <laughs> at all. <laughs> I don't even, I don't know what work they did in this, but um, all right. So I, I would say after this scene is when the movie actually starts to pick up a little bit and get a little bit interesting. This is when Dewey becomes involved, even though it's pretty sad when they first go meet him, but Sam and Richie go to get his help, essentially. So they go um, to his trailer where we see him uh, sitting alone watching Gail's show, which is a very sad way to see this person that has been the hero in so many previous screen movies is is now like, um, 
he is no longer the sheriff and uh, we it reveal uh, i think we learned later that he was asked to leave um but we mm -hmm. know that at this point we already know that officer judy is the new sheriff judy the new sheriff judy um <laughs> so yeah we get we get to that scene in the trailer so that's where we are now uh, yeah so they they get they meet dewey dewey's wife is completely falling apart he's in a trailer watching gail and he's reluctant to become a part of that this again i think for very good reason um it seems like he's had a lot of issues and is is dealing with his own problems and is suffering from a lot of injuries from the past four movies so i mean in this yeah what do you say he's been stabbed nine times yeah yeah nine times in four movies so <laughs> it's a lot um it's a lot and so it's understandable that he would not want to jump right back into this um he's sort of presented i think he, he's looking pretty good honestly he's got a little stubble a nice mustache uh, he's in his sassy phase he's finally in his sassy phase like yeah. he's had enough <laughs> shit in the first four movies that he had to just like put every like people would put him down to his face and he would just let it slide but dewey is now sassy he's giving it back yeah he's not having any of this and um he reaches out i well i i guess i don't want to move ahead here if you want to do well just one, one thing should be said is that and i won't say what he says but i will say that he immediately solves who the killer is in his uh in his conversation with these kids, when they're asking him for advice, he basically lays out pretty fast, like who the killer is uh, because of his experience in the movie. It's done in an ambiguous way, but he, he gets proved to be right. That's true. Um, and from this scene too, uh, so basically he tells them he's not going to help them um, after this, and then they leave. And from, from here, he calls both Sydney well, he calls Sydney, and so this is the first reveal of her in the movie. We realize we see that she is married to Mark, who Mark is the officer from Scream Three, who even Nev Campbell didn't remember that until like it was in. I was reading the trivia, and it was like not until after the movie she was like, "Oh, that's who I married." I just thought it was like some guy named Mark. Like she didn't even remember there was a character named Mark. That so, so awesome. that makes me so happy. Oh my god. <laughs> She's just like us. Yeah, really. <laughs> so she, I think she has two kids. So, um, and she's living somewhere far away from Woodsboro. Um, I do like her line where Dewey asks if she has a gun. She says, I'm Sydney fucking Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Um, so we see that Sydney is alive and well. She says she's not coming back. And then after that, he texts Gail. Um, I forget exactly what he says, but it's pretty funny. But he texts her and then he like texts like, hope you're having a good day and puts a smiley <laughs> face or something. <laughs> so yeah. he, he has warned our two previous protagonists that, that Ghostface is back and is making kills in Woodsboro once again. He's warning them to stay away. I like the, I like the two texts, but then there was that ex extra thing where he kept like, he was like gonna say like I, i'm still in love with you or i'm still like what was his third text gonna be like what did he think was gonna be like appropriate to put there after not also speaking i love you goodbye <laughs> david don't acting come here really i love you <laughs> no i was just saying that david's acting was really good on that we're like he keeps like tapping it out, deleting it, tapping it out and then like after he sends what he sends he just like throws his phone down he's like ugh, like puts yeah. his hand <laughs> it was very good 
Um, so from here, so Dewey uh, said he's not going to help them, but he does tell them to get to the friend group because he tells them that if she has a close-knit friend group, one of the killers is in that friend group. Um, and so he tells them to get all those friends together, and they do, and they start having a rules meeting for finally the third time's a charm. They get together, they actually get to go through all the rules, and we get to learn what the new rules are. Uh, we also learn... Um, this is when we actually learn that the twins uh, are Randy's nephew and niece and um, the sister's back. So we get to yeah. see her briefly. <laughs> I like that she just always just shows up and is like, oh, how's everybody doing? Good to see everyone. Okay, goodbye. And then just, remember, that's it. <laughs> um, you, you remember how Mad TV always had the parodies of TV shows that they were pretty good at? they did one of Gilmore Girls that they did Lane that way, which is basically how Lane's character was in Gilmore Girls, where, like, they would be having, like, a moment between the two characters, and she would just ride in on a bike, and she goes, things are going, nothing good, nothing bad, but just going, and then she just rides off. That's basically how this character is. <laughs> uh, I do think it's really cool that Heather Matarazzo got to come back one more time, uh, yes. and then, do, just like the two of you were saying, do the exact same thing she did in Scream 3, which is to show up and be like, Hello, everyone. This is Randy's sister, who you love just <laughs> as much as Randy. And then all the characters are like, oh, my God, we love you, Randy's sister. You're just like Randy to us. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, that's what she's doing in this movie as well. Um, but it is Heather, Heather Matarazzo, and she rocks. And so we always celebrate her showing up. That's my policy. This is the I don't know how many fifth time that the franchise has been like, we're sorry we killed Randy. We're very <laughs> sorry we killed Randy. Please that forgive big... us for killing Randy. <laughs> they they have a very large shrine to him in their living room for <laughs> just everyday living. <laughs> I, I gotta say, died in high school. <laughs> yeah, well, I got I gotta say, like it's so fucking unearned because again, she only showed up in Scream Three for like a hot second uh, to do that. But then her reuniting with Dewey in this movie, I actually was like, oh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I love to you guys together. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Come back and say hi, Dewey. <laughs> it's my impression. It's really good. It's good. Uh, thank you. So yeah, we get the rules. So uh, uh, the big thing is it's a requel, which is a, a retelling of the first scream, but has to have legendary characters to make people care. And that's when we start to know um who is who in this like scenario and who is likely to die and basically the rules that we are used to learning every screen right so we find out that uh so we we know now that um sam is is related to billy she's billy's daughter uh, illegitimate daughter or whatever that's probably not the right word to use but anyway uh and then we this is also where we find out that Vince was Stu Mocker's nephew. So we're finding out that everybody attacked so far is connected to the first movie. Um, and again, the only thing I'll say about this is uh, I, I don't hate the concept, just liked it better when it was done in literally the previous movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's the whole thing. That was my sentence letterbox review uh, was that it's just they made scream they didn't make scream 4 worse but they just remade scream 4 and it's nowhere near as good i don't understand it because it's just like i get the like the whole requel thing but that's that's what scream 4 did 
they retold the first movie but put a whole new spin on it and i understand that like they're making a comment on all these new movies like Candyman and and movies that are just kind of redoing the um the originals in the modern time but it's why would you do that now when Scream 4 just came out? Well, Not just came just, out, but yeah. <laughs> I know, but like just as far, like closer in time than the original. I do wish they would have moved on in a different way. I think that they did get too attached to the, yeah, I think what you're saying, um, or, or, or sorry, I, th- I think what you're saying about Scream 4 is right, where it's like, okay, so they moved on. We kind of got new characters pushed in. And they could have done that, but they, they instead dragged all these older characters back in for, I think, no reason. Because I think people cared enough about Scream 4 that it didn't really fit the rhythm that she said. I think that people cared about these other characters and they could have brought in new ones like they did with Jill and Kirby. I think we cared about those characters enough that if we kept some of those characters, we would have cared about them without Sydney. Yeah. I don't know how you guys feel, but... Uh, I didn't think that this franchise necessarily needed the 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 backbone. I liked that they were there, but I don't think they needed it. I felt like four was a pretty good send off for the original cast. That's why um, I thought it was dignified. I felt like it was. I like... felt yeah. I felt like you don't really need to. I love seeing these characters, obviously, and it's cool when they pop up. But it's like, I mean, if you're really doing a, a requel, a requel is not like. I wouldn't it wouldn't be this attached I don't think to the original it would be its own thing and yeah I, I, like I would even understand it's like you bring back Deputy Judy as Sheriff Judy like have a little bit of it but still she's kind of she's playing a a, a new role in this this universe you know she's kind of filling a hole um I don't know it just didn't make a lot of sense to me to to try and to I bring guess... everything back the kids could have even been related to these characters without us having to like see them again. You know, like it could have been like just mentioned that they were. And then like, um, I, I, I just kind of felt like, like you said, I felt like the send off for Gail and Sydney was pretty good in Scream 4. And I don't think Nev Campbell even necessarily wanted to come back for this one. I think like they kind of like asked her and asked her and asked her and she did finally come back. So I think that she also even liked the send off in 4. So it's like, I don't think it was like the they needed work or they needed to come in kind of thing so yeah it's like seeing it's like seeing han solo in the new star wars movies where it's like yeah. okay like why <laughs> tell a new story like you can say whatever about the prequels they're terrible movies but they at least did their own thing and like they didn't keep trying to come back like look at this it's i don't know it's just that's what I I kept getting that kind of feeling where it's like, why are we they like, I don't, it doesn't feel earned to have them come back the way it did in four. And as, as Kellator was kind of talking about earlier, it's really, there's, I, there's four, it's not a trilogy. Um, it's whatever you call a four movie uh, set. Like a the, foragey. The, a foragey. Thank you. <laughs> a foraging. Um, it's, what scream one through four i feel is a complete story and it's a complete story for those that original cast now let's do what you're claiming you're doing in this movie which you're not which is rebooting it and they 
yeah i mean we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end but i just felt like they it was just they they leaned on that those past movies so much to the point where i didn't feel like this was was its own thing at all yeah uh i agree with both of you uh four was the way to send it off they could have done any number of narrative things to make that work and then start over brand new with this series with five uh, and they didn't do that to this movie's detriment it invites the comparison to four directly and suffers by that um and like kelly said if you're gonna reboot it so that you had you know a, a trilogy to work with with new likable characters four was the time to do it baby that was a yeah. good cast and yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying anything bad about this cast i'm just saying it feels very superficial that we have all like just crammed to the damn rafters with new teens uh, such that I can't even remember, remember half their names because most of them don't even have like speaking lines. Yeah, seriously. yeah, and they were they are more. I, I don't even like. I guess the the more meta characters they're they're way they're way more annoying than the high schoolers in Scream Four. So yeah. like I liked those characters. These characters I I don't mind. Like I do like Mindy, but like she just like grates on me. Like but I think that they're they all just do. I think it's the dialogue, not them as characters or actors. But it's just. It's harder to take them seriously and to like care, I guess, because yeah. they don't care. They don't even care about each other. Why are we supposed to care about them? Well, yeah. it's also, and this is more wrap up stuff. So maybe we should just move ahead. But I just want to say quickly about that. It's just that like, I I, I felt that with the, when the introduction of Chad and his dialogue and how he was discussing, which I felt was very like, like, it was it felt like it would be at home in the old screams but then on top of that they're trying to kind of do this like their elevated horror style and it just stuck out like a sore thumb to me that whole performance and that that scene in particular when we're introduced to him i thought mindy was a little bit more like felt a little bit more modern and felt a little bit more part of the story but but chad like i i felt better about him as the, the story went along but at the beginning, I was just kind of like, I, I don't want to have to deal with this character. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so from from the rules, um, Mindy, so Mindy goes through all the rules, and then at the end she lands on Sam being the most likely uh, suspect at this point. And that pisses Sam off. So she leaves the house and has another hallucination of Billy Loomis in the car, which I don't fully remember. So if you guys can help out, that would be great. But I forget exactly what he tells her. I think I think it's a plot point, but I could be wrong, and it could have been just as forgettable as I didn't write it down. It's it's literally a plot point in that it comes up later, I guess. But like nothing is super memorable about this, so definitely do not feel bad. Uh, the the big takeaway line here is after she has been deemed, you know, by the the friend group like the most likely suspect, and she's like struggling with that. Uh, here, her father as a hallucination is telling her to like get in touch with her uh you know with her past and to accept who she is and all that kind of shit so it does set up that like she's got some stabby tendencies in her genes <laughs> you're a killer bella um <laughs> I so thing, can i just say ahead. one thing real quick it's just that yeah. uh, i really enjoyed the exchange between um wes and and uh dewey where like they're talking about each each of these kids are talking about like who might be the, the the suspect and what their motivation would be 
and uh uh Wes says well you know you could be a suspect to Dewey and Dewey says like no offense taken uh but what do you mean and Wes is like well uh you've been stabbed a billion times you've crawled into a bottle and basically given up on life like no offense but like you seem <laughs> like you're probably a suspect and then Dewey's like Ugh, what about you you could be the killer and Wes is like well, what's my motivation he's like I don't know that just cut to the bone <laughs> that, that was a good little piece of business yeah I enjoyed I, I liked Wes and I, I like well we'll talk about it here in a second I liked Wes as a character uh, I liked him as one of the new teens a lot. And I, yeah, I did like that exchange. He was the best teen. The best teen he amongst was, them. He was, which is All the more sad that this next scene is Officer, I'm sorry, Sheriff Judy and Wes's death. Yeah. So um, we get, uh, Judy arrives home. She tells, um, well, at first she, she thinks she hears somebody in the house. Um, Wes kind of comes in on her and um we show we, it shows how prepared he is basically because he has a taser and a knife on him i think um that she has him like carry everywhere to keep safe so he was like my friends are starting to make fun of me at this some point and then from there she goes to get the sushi that she's gonna pick up which apparently is 10 minutes away but also 75 minutes away based on how she drives back yeah um so she leaves um to get the sushi and she tells west to take a shower so west gets in the shower and Officer Judy leaves to get the sushi, and that's when Ghostface calls Judy um, and basically is uh, threatening her son. So she turns on the siren. She tries to get home, um, even though she just left. She's miles away. She's trying to get home. She calls for backup, which also does not arrive very fast, but that's where we are now. Not at all, yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, she calls She calls for backup, and yet, yeah, like you said before, too, it's like she's she's we barely see her driving ghostface calls he's established that he's in the house and so she immediately turns around and then it just like she's just flying down the road and it takes her forever to get back he takes like, a whole shower while she's going home yeah because i know that she dies before he knows and is still doing stuff but he takes an entire shower before she gets stabbed yeah and it's like that yeah this whole sequence is um so yeah let's so she speeds back home i'll just say this as dovetailing with what paul's saying and kind of moving the story along as she's driving home ghostface is on the phone with her she's driving she's got her car phone on or whatever you know uh and he is mocking her telling her that he's going to kill her son and that She's not going to make it in time and she's crying and she's pleading with him to like let her son live. Uh, and then she's so spazzed out about the whole thing that she like slams on the brakes and jumps out of her car and runs up and he steps out of the bushes and puts a knife in her gut. Uh, Very sad kill. Yeah. And then stabs her like a bunch more times. And uh, so the Sheriff Judy is dead. Uh, and it's just to me, I, I don't fucking like it because <laughs> <laughs> They chumpify her really bad. Yeah, oh, big time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she doesn't get a fight at all. It's annoying. No, Good. Yeah, no, no, she's yeah, she's begging for her son's life. And I'll 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 grant the story this much. Like she's a loving mother, and like this is you know, her greatest thing that she's ever done is you know, her child. She very clearly loves her kids so much, and she knows about the preciousness of life because of the things that she's dealt with in her lifetime. So I will grant the story this time. 
that uh, she could believably start pleading with this killer who she fucking knows is never going to spare her child's life, no matter how much she begs. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it, to me, it's part of making these characters who have survived past films, who I think there should be some reverence for a little bit um, in the in these you know movies that they are very expressly bringing up, you know, invoking these characters when they're talking about the rules and stuff and about how the characters being here give the movie stakes and you know how much they matter to the fan base and all that stuff yeah. um just giving judy a bit of a better fucking send off in this you know it's very it's sad like, yeah this all felt right. a lot like the randy uh death in that it was just i don't know it, it, like i didn't feel like it was they they got the proper send off and also it was like are you kidding me like that's all we get to see of Sheriff Judy, that's it. And also, she's where's like, the fucking backup? Go where's ahead. the where's the backup? Hey, and why is she walking into that house without her gun? Right, she has a gun. She either had a gun in the car. She has a gun on her. Like she was in her police vehicle, and she walks in without. I don't. I don't know what she was holding, but like she was not prepared. But. At the same at time, all. we we know she's in mom mode. She's not in in sheriff mode. She's in mom mode. But come on, like, but like it just I don't know. I I get that, but I, I just feel you. like also we've seen this character kind of you know seeing a lot of stuff and going through a lot of stuff and coming through it and like same with Sydney and like I just feel like it was pretty cheap to have her like oh she completely breaks down to the point where. Like she's making these horrible decisions and then that's it. She's gone. Right. And pretty quick. And then yeah, like it takes forever. Like this whole thing is is like this whole sequence is so drawn out. It's like, where are the police? This was in broad daylight. She yeah, it makes sense for her. Yeah, it makes sense for them not to get there in time for Judy, but to not get there in time for Wes after he, he takes a shower and sets an entire table and like very slowly doing all this he gets dressed like there the seriously no backup came in that in that amount of time to a find uh sheriff judy's body and then to save wes's life like yeah. that's just crazy but yeah um so uh, as the scene continues so judy has sadly been stabbed she's at she's at the front door unbeknownst to wes who is still taking a shower and and just slowly mundanely getting ready for his mom to come back with the sushi um, do you guys think that he specifically got that farmer's tan for the movie? He thought that would be great for his character. He's like, I'm gonna look like this. He's hanging out in Evansville a little too long. <laughs> I love that he's from Evansville. It's just a very specific Indiana city. Um, but uh, so he he goes, and this also solidifies what a great kid Wes is. He's setting the table for his mom for sushi. He's getting all the stuff ready for her. And it's so sad knowing that she's dead and like not coming back. And like, he's like, he's getting the plates out. He's setting the table. He's getting the condiments out. He's making their drinks. Like what a good kid. I just, the one thing I will say is I'm really glad because there was a second where he was going for the door and like he was suspicious that the uh, Wes is suspicious. The door is open. He's walking towards the door. Sheriff Judy had just been stabbed right outside. So she's, presumably still right out there on the the front porch or near the front porch and right. he kind of does it like 
as, as there's a second where it seems like he's gonna and i'm glad they didn't make us see him discover her body especially with what happens next like i i'm glad they didn't do that but yeah otherwise i was not a fan of anything that happened in the sequence yeah and this is another one we don't um he didn't really get a fight either he also got uh surprised so like he yeah. um uh, so basically ghostface just ambushed both of them in this scene they get officer judy and then they get him just like walking towards the door at that point because there's a bunch of like almost jumps while he's getting all the stuff out so he shuts the pantry door we think ghostface is going to be there he shuts the fridge door we think ghostface is going to be there finally yeah yeah and then finally he gets to the front door and ghostface actually pops up and then like he you get like a sort of fight you think that he might get away with it because he's like reaching for the taser um and you're like okay you might get it and then he gets a pretty brutal brutal stabbing too he gets right through the neck i think right yeah it's like through his isn't that the one that I know there's one that like goes through his mouth. Like it's the one. Oh no, you're right. It goes like up through the neck, but like you can see the blade exit out. Of, yeah, it was rough. Yeah, like it's you can see exactly like where it 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 goes through his neck, and yeah, it's pretty brutal. And it's also it's quick, and yeah, it's just a surprise attack. He's dead. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's graphic. Uh, again, like this movie goes way to me, like way further than any other movie in the series. Yeah, uh, what they're depicting, and then in keeping with the theme, like so far they're really they're just killing like the only interesting characters they've introduced so far. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, Wes. Like you actually like had kind of a cool look, and uh, you look like you actually belonged in this movie series, and you actually had a personality that was distinct from like seven other characters that are introduced with your generation. But you're gone now. And what a yeah. crappy, like, tribute to Wes Craven, like, to do that like that. Like, give him some dignity at his death. Give him some, like, I don't know, at least some if you're going to kill back. him off, give him something. Just for it, I, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. didn't even get, like, a quippy, like, uh, thing to say. He just got stabbed. Like, he's like, oh, man, I was going to get sushi, and now I'm fucking dead. Yeah. Yeah, him and back to back is is rough. Because they're both like good, enjoyable characters, and just not really given anything interesting to do, or or to you know any a death that really like is commensurate, I think, with their value to to the movies. Um, but we'll see more of that. So from here, we get to see this is when Gail officially comes back into the picture. Um, so she is at the crime scene of uh, Sheriff Judy and. West because now Ghostface is officially back again, which they don't make as big of a deal in this movie as they did in previous movies. It used to be like a a whole thing, like the the city would like shut down because Ghostface is back, but now it's just kind of like Ghostface is back. Like <laughs> I guess uh, they've been the through people... it so many times now. They're just yeah. like, eh, it'll it'll work itself out. <laughs> now it's just kind of like the people involved, you know who you are, the rest just go about your normal day. It will be over in about like uh three to four days. It's like a tornado uh, siren. It's like go outside if you don't <laughs> see the tornado, you're you're good. Just stay upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> if you are not friends with this girl, you're probably fine. <laughs> Just stick to your circles, please. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Gail is officially back now. She she has the classic fight that her and Dewey have in every movie where they had broken up previously and now they're they're uh kind of maybe going to get back together by the end of the movie if things had worked out 
but they had their classic couple fight uh, when she first got there because she was mad that he texted instead of called, which mm-hmm. is very understandable. I like this. I like their relationship. I do too. I, I like this sequence. I like the explanation for why they broke up. It's something that they mentioned, I believe, in Scream 3, where they were first getting back together. And it's just like, this isn't going to work, but let's try. And it's like, that I think kind of both knew this was going to happen. Gail left for New York. Um, and Dewey tried to make it work, uh, tried to move out there and just couldn't adapt and came back home. And it's like, sure, I believe that totally. And I, I, I like the emotion between these two characters in the scene a lot. End scene. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was hoping one of you would keep talking during that. <laughs> I was Sorry about that? Yeah, I was interrupting too much earlier, so I was trying to keep things moving by not talking quite so much. Oh, uh, no, you're nice. fine. Yeah. These guys uh, being together was really nice. Uh, it is, there, there are a few things about this movie which, um, t- in my mind, make it totally worthwhile because as I, st- I said at the very beginning, I think the movie is like, well made and uh it's not it's not the bottom of my barrel uh and some of the stuff that really recommends it is stuff like this where we get to see dewey and gail back together again these two actors playing off each other um and giving that those character histories like the uh the due that they deserve like it's one area where the scripts didn't really fail was at least giving us these two together that was great yeah, it's like oh, it's it's worth it to see the the legacy characters come back specifically for things like this, and I did appreciate this. Yeah, I like this too. Like her tearfully telling him, like he's never, he, you know, never consider himself a coward. Like you know what a hero he is. Like that's yeah. that was good. That was that like was good. Un, that was unvarnished good stuff that like makes the movie end up being worthwhile. I think that was yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, so from this scene, we get we get back. Uh, this is a, just a very, very brief scene, but we go back to Richie, who is on Stab 8 at this point, which, Paul, you brought up earlier. It was your favorite Scream movie, Stab 8. <laughs> um, I love so it. S- I love the uh, <laughs> the sleepless. Did he have nunchucks? Am I misremembering? It was just like a quick scene where they were <laughs> fighting. There's two of the ghost face fighting in the yard. And one of them had the sleepless robe on. And I was just like, yes, I would watch this. I don't, I think that would be kind of fun. <laughs> this was also a very blatant uh, advertising ploy for Pizza Hut, the way he had his box oh, folded. Yeah. Did that bother everybody else? Because he has it folded in a way that no sane person would open a pizza box. Because yeah. he opened it and then folded it back so you could clearly see Pizza Hut like forward. And then he like <laughs> has the pizza like in front of him, like, uh, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. So yeah, that was it's very funny. Specifically because of Wayne's World, right? Like this yeah. is the Wayne's World gag. Him yeah. like opening the pizza box and like holding the slice of pizza. Like here's the entire <laughs> slice. Here's the Pizza Hut logo. Like that is like you're gag. expecting someone to walk in and be like, "Damn, that looks good, Richie." Right. <laughs> it. If they had done like the whole line, like Wayne and Garth, who were like, it's a choice. Like, yes. And it's the choice of a new generation. Like, if they had <laughs> thrown that in, yeah. that would that would have been such a boss move. It's, we're all thinking Yellow, it, different. right? Like, <laughs> Kelly, I heard that. 
so from here, so that scene comes because Sam's on the phone with Richie. So it kind of bounces back to Sam being outside the crime scene. This is when she sees that all the cops are there. And so she's like, wait, what the fuck? That means that there's no cops outside Tara's room right now. And Ghostface is going to strike. And so then she races back to the hospital. Um, With Dewey. Right. With Dewey. Yeah. Dewey and her race back to the hospital because, oh, because uh, I think Gail convinces him to help because he says, I think you guys were touching on that, but he, she tells him he's not a coward and that he has, is always there to help. And he was like, fuck, I just told that kid to fuck off. So I got to get back in on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, he, yeah, he goes with Sam to the hospital to save Tara. And then this is so Tara at this point, it, she thinks she hears something she's on a floor all by herself um and she like the officers are not out there anymore she thinks she hears something so she goes ahead and gets up and gets in her wheelchair and hides so when ghostface does come in she has the upper hand she has the the wrapped up cord cord phone and that girl is good at hitting people with something when they're not expecting it because that comes up quite a few times in this movie so she smacks Ghostface on the head and she uh, starts to get away but she's very slow because she's got a lot of energy injuries so she's making her way through and then this is when um Ghostface is on the phone with Sam and they're kind of having the exchange uh she says that they can either save Richie or Tara because they're both kind of in the same area of the hospital but she can kill one of them and then that's when uh sam's having her sassy exchange holding on the the phone line for him and she comes in and dewey shoots ghostface dewey sorry uh, i'm i'm like soaring through these so I, I hope i'm not forgetting things i'm just trying to set up where we are dewey i like that he's canonically just a horrible shot like <laughs> cannot <laughs> For being in the on the police force for however long he's supposed to be, just cannot hit anything. <laughs> and he's so I, respected. <laughs> I wanted to say I just briefly that I think this is the scene, and I could be wrong, where we get to see the ghost face voice machine, whatever it is, turn on under the robe. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like mm. it kind of like clicks on. And am I misremembering this? I you I don't remember that, but I I think so. Okay, and I don't I don't think we've ever seen that before. Like see it like come on, and I think this is when he's like walking down the hallway. But Tara's crawling on the ground, trying to pull herself. She's injured, and he's kind of following behind her. And there's Richie and and Tara, and this and the, like I think he makes the call to Sam switches on the voice. And like, I just thought that was kind of cool. That was definitely cool. Yeah. No, I, th this scene is, it's pretty well done. I think, uh, cause like Kelly was saying, um, it starts off with, you see Tara in the hospital. And then as Sam has mentioned, like they're, they're all the cops have left the hospital to go to the crime scene. So no one's there. And then the lights get cut out. So mm -hmm. Tara knows that shit's fucked up. But she's also fucked up, so she's like trying to like hide in her wheelchair. And I, I, I just want to point out that Jenna Ortega's acting about her wounds is really good. It's uh, believable. It hurts to watch her. Like that's yeah. how good it is. That's exactly the way to put it. Thank you. Uh, that is that is the perfect way to say it because I, I felt I had like an empathetic reaction to the amount of like grunting and screaming and like pain that she was, you know, conveying. In a movie where like far too many people are living from their their wounds, 
uh, at least she's selling on the back end how awful they are to live with. Um, so then, yeah. And then, uh, as you said, um, Richie shows up and it's, I think again, one of the the movie doing that kind of work of like, Oh my God, is he ghost face or whatever. Um, but he explains that he was sent there by Sam who said that Tara might be in trouble. So he's okay. Uh, but then as, uh, as Kelly also said, Ghostface shows up and now both Richie and uh, Tara are potentially going to get killed. And that's the conversation he's having with Sam on the phone. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I'm, I'm, I'm retreading all that is just to say that this time Sam is doing like the, please don't kill them. Oh my God, please don't. And uh, while you, like you would with officer Judy, perhaps like, you know, or excuse me, Sheriff Judy, uh, roll your eyes a little bit. Um, this is revealed that like she she keeps begging him and and pleading for their lives, uh, and then that is capped off with the elevator coming to the floor, opening up, and Sam saying maybe I was just you know buying time, asshole, uh, and and then Dewey opens fire and shoots at Ghostface. So you're like okay cool like all of that like pointless begging wasn't really pointless. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's playing into it to try to buy time, and that that was a cool character moment for her. Yeah, it, it was very uh, brave to say that before the door opened. So that I she thought could the be same like... thing. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I was like, oh no, you... she can't. She might fuck this up. Perhaps <laughs> wait till the bullets are out of the gun before you say anything. Like Sam, don't get sassy yet. You can <laughs> yeah. still fail. The <laughs> uh, yeah, there was really no way for them to know that they would be in that hallway with Tara be like crawling so yeah, yeah. there's a lot can, of yeah a lot of planning in this movie that just kind of goes the character's way no matter what except for one character in particular kelly why don't you tell us all about it Aww. so uh uh like you guys said Dewey shot and we we presume that he hits even though we know he's a bad shot we presume he hit ghostface ghostface is at least knocked out they think that they're that he uh has been killed so they start to leave, and then this is when Dewey decides to say the normal line from Scream and being like, it's not over until they're shot in the head. And it would have been great if he could have just shot him in the head, but for whatever God knows reason, we got um, he got distracted by uh, his phone ringing, and then mm-hmm. Ghostface jumped into action and stabbed Dewey to death in one stab, which is pretty sad based on how the other characters survived. Uh, 12 to 17 stab wounds yeah. are, are uh, walking around just fine so poor Dewey yeah and a very uh a very anticlimactic death for uh this hero of of five movies uh I you know uh, this scene I think that this is definitely my favorite scene of the movie and what? this whole thing yeah this whole sequence I think was well done and I don't like I like the you know Tara crawling on the ground and Ghostface walking after her I thought was really effective and the, them coming out of the elevator I thought was really cool I I think there was something to be said about Dewey kind of like just going back one more time you know it was like kind of the story this whole story that he's involved with like he was still got his hero moment he came in he saved those characters like and he just needed to go back one more time and that was like that was just kind of his like that's always his character he just he can never not go back 
no matter how bad it is, no matter how much better it would be for him, if he doesn't go mm. back, he's like, I need to go back. I have to do this. This is like, you know, what Gail was saying. This is, this is who I am. This is what I do. And he's absolutely right. And that's what I screamed before this happened is what you got to shoot him in the head. Like, and then Dewey says like, it's not dead. You know, it's not over until you shoot him in the head. He goes back. It just almost gets it done. And then it's just like that last bit, like just that quick distraction to it. Except I really think it was, it was the perfect thing. Cause it was just that, that quick, like the phone rings, you know, there's, there's just, there's no time in between this. The phone rings, Dewey just glances down at his phone and then goes face attacks. Like yeah. it's not a situation where he's like, Oh, let me check my phone real quick. And Oh, let me scroll through and see who's calling. And then like, you see ghost face move. It's just like, it was just this like, Ghostface knew he had one more chance or he was going to get shot in the head. He took that that opportunity. I know it's whatever. I'm just because, but, um, and, and went for it. And it's, it's incredibly sad death. And it's, you know, obviously hard to think about Scream after Dewey because he's been such a huge part of this whole franchise, you know, with Gale and, all this stuff, but I honestly think that this this whole sequence is pretty solid, and I think they did a good good job with that. Okay, well, uh, Paul, all I'm going to say about that really quick is just to uh, say that all the things I'm about to say is in like no disrespect whatsoever to the things that you said because I totally get where you're coming from. I think the movie, from a cinematic standpoint, did a really good job. Uh, with this scene and I think it's really well shot and I think all the hero moments that you pointed out that Dewey got are well um, set forth I am personally biased against this scene and it made me so mad <laughs> yeah. like, uh, like I when I first saw it with Kelly um, last year like I was just livid about it and I've been like fuming about this scene uh, leading into this uh, review even uh, during this time, like I straight up like went up and got something to drink, like during. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, but it's all personal bias. Like I don't think it's done in a, a a bad way. My only big, my only critiques on this are one, like the whole uh killer gets shot fifteen times by Dewey, but lives because he's didn't get shot in the head. That was Scream Three. Yeah. Kind of did it already. Uh, and Dewey deserved a little better i think than putting himself in such obvious danger after all of his experience and then having the killer coo in his ear it's an honor uh like i i do i understand how that from from like a uh, the franchise's standpoint and from a cinema goer standpoint that like that is actually a bit of a, a, a send-off to the character i get Honest, that yeah yeah in the horror tradition, I get that. For me personally, I wanted to see a more competent way for him to go out. And I do feel that uh, him and Judy both got short shrift in this movie uh, for, for stakes purposes. Um, and that's, you know, again, my personal bias against that's all. I remember I literally almost canceled watching that with you because you said that like right before we watched it, that you were going to be mad if they killed Nev or Dewey. And like I knew that scene was coming, and I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> <laughs> so, so there, there, to me, there really are only three characters that are like sacrosanct, and that is that's Gale, it's Dewey, it's it's Sid, and um, 
that's not anything crazy, obviously, like they're the ones who live the longest. But mm -hmm. um, if you're going to take out a big core member like that earlier, Paul, you invoked uh, uh, Randy getting killed. Right. And it was like kind of um, anticlimactic in a way. You know that the way that works, though, like the only way you can make that work is if the, the person who killed Randy turns out to be like one of, if not the best ghost faces of the entire uh, series. That's, that's very true. And I'm not obviously watching this for the first time and don't know who this is, especially who it is specifically who stabs him, I think is is hard of hard pill to swallow. Um but oh yeah, yeah, I get so pissed off later knowing who stabs him. Um, and I yeah, I haven't rewatched so like seeing that scene again and knowing all this, I I'm still under the impression that it's possible this movie could end well. Um, <laughs> so that's part of it. Uh, maybe they just needed Chewbacca to scream in the background. <laughs> <laughs> that would made it better. <laughs> Um, this isn't exactly Chewbacca, but I think this was kind of a little uh, gut-wrenching when, when Gail did show up, sees the body bag, knows it's Dewey right away. And I like that she refers to him as as her best friend at that point. Um, I, it might have been that point. It might have been later when she says that. But she doesn't say, like, my ex-husband. She says, that that's my best friend, mm -hmm. which I thought was really nice. Yeah. Um, so from here, this is when Sydney makes her grand return back to Woodsboro to comfort Gail in the death of Dewey. So she comes into the the hospital. Um, it's it's right after Sa uh, Sam kind of has a little bit of a heart to heart to Gail, which is confusing. Uh, I I feel like Sam's a little confusing of a character. The um, based on how much she. I guess wants to be a part like nobody wants to be a part of the, uh, this crew obviously it's a it's a, a death crew but like the the way she like first she like kind of comforts at first she wants everybody's help she wants to comfort Gail but then immediately after Sydney gets there it's like oh like this is your story not mine I'm not part of this we're getting out of town kind of deal <laughs> like she switches gears so fast and then suddenly it's like this is Sydney's problem and Sydney just yeah. fucking got there and she came to fucking help <laughs> and suddenly you're just gonna be like uh I'm not part of this this is your thing uh me and my sister are fucking out of here yeah, I just thought that was really funny it's really hard to like say him after this because you're like you don't talk to Sydney like that like Sydney's <laughs> been through this four times like give me a break like she's coming she came all the way back to me like hey listen I've go I've been through this I'm here to help and she's like oh yeah good luck I'll yeah see you and I'll see you later and, Gail like, even I, has that great line of watch your tone new girl like yeah. uh, uh, exactly yeah what were you saying Joe sorry no no it, it I was just agreeing I I I was talking earlier about stuff that recommends this movie and makes it like a, a good exercise in my estimation and the full, you know, consideration of things, even though I have like serious grievance with, with the whole Dewey thing and to a lesser extent, Judy thing. Uh, what we do get out of this movie though, is like, it is, it is Weathers and Prescott, Prescott and Weathers, however you want to do it. Mm -hmm. Like Sid and Gail are teamed the fuck up and they are ready to go on this shit. And honestly, it's like a big LFG moment for me. Like I'm, I'm very happy to see these characters going and I'm very happy to use uh, a term that Kelly mentioned earlier, getting sassy with characters who are not, uh, the requisite levels of respectful to either of them. Give me Gail and Sydney just fighting their way through. They could be in, they could be in stab eight 
or scream aid or whatever. Paul. But, you're not you're not gonna believe this, but we wrote an entire scream that centers on Sid and Gale. We should just all three go in on this. <laughs> Does it have them fighting those men from the the, the stab eight preview that were fighting it the could. Uh, <laughs> like just the characters that they just <laughs> Paul, this is a multimedia universe in which uh, whether it's television, the you know, so like web comics, whatever it could be, it is Sid and Gale going from location <laughs> to location, taking down serial killers with their expertise. It's perfect. Wouldn't it's, that it, rock? I just do that spinoff, and let's let's start seeing that. We that need to go amazing. back and dig up because we came up with a lot of ideas. We did. We need to go back and dig those up. We got to get back in on this. It's an empire waiting to happen. And I'm not <laughs> even joking. Like, if no. somebody did that, it would be so well received. Like, it's when the they, perfect. What? When yeah. they were standing there together, I was like, holy shit. Yes. Like, I was ready for to see whatever. After not liking like 60% of this movie so far, like, just like, please, as much as we could see these two characters. I mean, yeah, they would leave the scream behind. Like we'd leave Ghostface behind. It would be all about Sid and Gale. But like it would, they'd fuck shit up, and it would be amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad that. Sorry, sorry. I I think we're probably saying the same thing, but I'm just like I'm just so glad that this same like because I think it was after we watched this that we got really into that. So like this this, this is how everybody feels after this movie is like oh fuck this movie, but Sid and Gale though. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. I interrupted you. No, no, it's just great. Like I, I love exactly like you just said. I love that we all get energized the exact same way because the the, ke the chemistry is so natural. Like it's so good, uh, and also like this happens to be a point in time in American pop culture, at least, where like true crime is like the biggest thing on the goddamn planet right now. Especially like a a dual female lead, uh, you know, led show or or movie or whatever would be like very well received. Like there's just everything is behind like fuck this fucking scream new ghost face bullshit you're always doing like pale imitations of past ghost faces give me the sid and gale show that's what mm -hmm. i want 100 percent. all right let's start writing we got this <laughs> all right so just to move through the story because we, we don't have that much much left but we do have a good chunk but okay, so from here um we go to Amber's house where she is throwing a big party that's supposed to be a wake memorial for Wes, who has passed away, who was their good friend, um, or passed away, was stabbed to death. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, we are with Amber. They're at a party where it's um, pretty um, parallel to the, the party that was going on. We, we learn later even more parallel than we thought originally. Um, a lot of the same stuff is happening that we saw in the very first scream is happening throughout this party. So we are at the party scene. Discuss. And also scream four, because scream four, mm -hmm. they said we're going to have to have a party. And then it turns out the party is at the same house. And then it turns out the party is also at the same house. And <laughs> fucking A, man, just give uh, this, this for all the good stuff. And we have talked some sugar here. Like, how could you just do the same shit? I, yeah. I, I'll just say this really quick about that and I'll shut up about it because like we've already talked about it quite a bit. But uh, ever since we've gotten into the internet era and there are, you know, there, there was that uh, binge approach to dropping television that people could all watch all at once on like mm -hmm. Netflix or, or, you know, whatever. Um, there is a, 
it's a different kind of television. If you're going to watch something back to back to back to back to back and not get annoyed with it super quick, um, that you have to write it differently than they used to. Because in the old days, like, you know, especially that in serial television that was super popular in like the late 90s, early aughts, you would hit the same story beats over and over again because it would be six days in between people seeing a new episode. So you'd have to like remind them about some stuff. And if you go back and watch that serialized stuff um, in the binge style that is more popular today, you can get really fucking annoyed real fast uh, <laughs> with the repetitiveness. You know, like Kelly, maybe you uh, had encountered that a little bit. Like Buffy used to kind of come up against it a little bit, but Buffy was so well done that I think they largely got around it. I made fun of Smallville earlier. Man, you watch Smallville and like every week it's Clark Kent telling his parents like, you know, I can't use my powers in front of my friends. And like <laughs> looking really longingly at like the lead uh, actress that he's in love with. Like, don't get me wrong. I like that shit. I still watch it. But like you watch it now and you're like, damn, that shit does not work uh, when you're watching it back to back to back in such quick frequency. And again, this movie, watching it so quickly against Scream 4, it just suffers so much by comparison. It's just the same beats all over again, largely. Well, you and said they should have covered it. Like, um, do you guys remember that intervention sketch and Mr. Show where they kept having interventions for people, but they kept inviting John Ennis with false pretenses, even though he wasn't <laughs> the one being. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, every time he got anyway. there, yeah, he kept showing up. He goes, you guys don't have to trick me. You're my friends. He'd get more and more angry each time. <laughs> they should have uh, put it in like that because that was fantastic All right, they should have just pulled a bunch of jokes from 90s shows and movies <laughs> and done that I would have you been guys much don't have to trick me you're my friends <laughs> I was just going to say the one subversion here uh, not a good one is that they just don't mention that the party exists there's no scene where they're like, yeah, they is just it a go. Good idea to have a party, or this is what the party is. It's just like, what? Why are we? Did we suddenly cut to a party? Why is nobody concerned? Like you said before, Kelly. Like, why is the town just fine with like everything going on? And it's just like, yeah, big party. That sounds good. And yeah, like they the, don't. There's even no try. shutdown in this movie at all. Yeah, they don't even attempt to make that. They're just like, well, there's a party scene in all of these. Uh, cut to the party scene. That's next. And it's like, yeah, well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because like in the last movie, they made a point to call it out. They made yeah. a point to say like, there's going to be a party at the end of this movie because like, that's how these things go. The killer's trying to recreate the first, you know, the first movie in this requel that we're doing, even though they didn't call it that in that one. Uh, and then the, the the movie also made a point of like making a joke and being like, well, why don't you just not have the party? And they're like, what? <laughs> like, it's like, it's just, yeah. uh. So like, yeah, it was so much better done. And like, that was the the whole, you know, reason for my rant about how television used to work. But like, you know, <laughs> I, I can understand how you can use the same trope like they've done here uh, 10 years apart, right? Because I think Scream 4 was like 2012 or something, right? Mm -hmm. 2011, I think. Okay. And this movie was 2022. So like, that's 10 years, 11 years. That that's That's a fair amount of time for people to forget that this has all been done extremely recently aka the previous movie but right not us because we saw it two movies in two, in three weeks or whatever and it's like my god <laughs> especially since they're not necessarily trying to distance themselves from scream 4 it's not like they're they're pretending scream 4 didn't happen and they're going back to the original they're introducing a lot of stuff to us that 
was established in Scream 4. So it's very present. And yet they're not doing, they're just doing a worse job making a movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it, it feels like they're dissing themselves from Scream 4, but you're right. They have they have Judy there. Like they're obviously embracing it. It's still there. Um, I I think the the funny part of the the party scene too is like they spend most of the party scene just like kind of going back and forth to each character. Like I think you might be the killer. I think you might be the killer. Like that happens four times in a row because it happens between uh, Amber and Mindy when they go into the basement to get six beers for some reason uh, for a big party. They go down to the basement put six beers and bring those upstairs like that's gonna hold people over for very long um but they do that they have an exchange uh amber pretends to be the killer then mindy pretends to be the character or the killer and they they both get scared of each other and then they both go upstairs again um then after that chad is with Liv, and she asks him to go upstairs and he refuses because she might be the killer so this just keeps uh, happening. Characters leave. So live. I think this is uh, Chad's big death is next, if I'm correct. Let me check what? the notes. But yeah, Chad, Chad's de- or not death, but Chad's stabbing is next. Oh, Kelly, with the more spoilers, come on. <laughs> what? That's no, not a spoiler if it's just happening. No, I'm just kidding. That the saying that he doesn't <laughs> dying because he's another one. Oh, yeah, he's, he's one that's it. like. Yeah, he gets butchered, but it's like, oh, okay, I'm on a gurney and I'm uh, I'm talking. Things are pretty okay. Apologies. Uh, I said that because Paul said what? <laughs> well, I don't know why I did that, but like I was just like <laughs> I thought he couldn't die. Um but yeah. Sorry. Um so that his his was uh at least he got to they kind of played with his death a little bit. So they have Liv run off um and then mindy calls her like a psycho bitch and he goes off to run after her um they kind of have like a cat and mouse thing because she he texts her and tries to figure out where she is and then she uh finally lets him track her phone or something and so like this one you're actually literally watching Ghostface walk around and walk towards chad and this this is when he still thinks it's Liv, so he's like looking for her and then he realizes it's not her it's Ghostface that's there to stab him and then like he's like trying to turn it off really quick and he ends up throwing the phone and he still gets stabbed repeatedly um and falls and then uh somehow sam tara and richie they pull up into the party and they're arriving because they're they want her inhaler from amber's house which is the big reason they're coming we didn't really mention that um and they have their headlights on chad somehow do not see him at all and just kind of pull into the party so that's where we are right now yeah so there this is richie Richie, um, Sam, and Tara are fleeing town. They're attempting to. They're they're getting out, and Tara discovers she does not have her inhaler. She needs her inhaler. Uh, there's a backup at Amber's house. They're going to stop by Amber's house. They're not aware a party's going on, correct? Um, this is right. a wake for Wes. As you said that earlier. Um, and, yeah, so they, they kind of walk in. This is um this is strange. This is kind of a, a tangent a little bit, but so Richie says Gen Z here. He's trying to get everybody out. They're like, okay, party's over, everybody get out of the house. Um and he says that he announces that he's Gen Z and everybody needs to leave. He's not Gen I thought, Z. I thought he was calling them Gen Z. I thought he was is that, Gen okay. Z. Yeah, he was saying Gen Z get out of here kind of deal. 
I was in a brief panic mode that there has been an entire other generation that's old enough <laughs> to be teens in a scream movie and i was like oh crap but yeah <laughs> that makes more sense now richie takes charge to uh try to spare everybody else the bullshit of trying to get everyone out of there by being like hey i'm the old guy telling you gen z kids you gotta go and then they hit him in the head with a solo cup which was funny mm-hmm. and then he's like all right fuck it get out of here get the fuck out of here <laughs> which was fun yeah yeah the the contrivance to all get them here at the house is like it as far as I'm concerned, it's fine. Like it, it was fine. Yeah, she needs her inhaler, and uh, Amber is her best friend, and like has a spare uh, inhaler at Amber's house or whatever. Uh, and then Chad getting stabbed in the femoral artery in his fucking thigh, and then like fifty five thousand other times in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the it turns out that the the car lights that flash over them save his life. Although frankly, it should be impossible. Some would say he was stabbed to death already. <laughs> Some would say he was stabbed in front and back. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, I guess I, I also thought it was interesting when they got there. Obviously, we kind of skipped over this, but Amber does like be like, we're ending the party immediately as soon as I get there, like, which is a weird move because usually the party scene's still going on when like the the fun begins, I guess. I guess but that was she- that's a strange choice because like who asked for that? And it's, they're all, you're right. It's just quickly like, oh, well, we need to do this now. It's like, yeah, they're, they're like, just, Tara's here, everybody out. <laughs> yeah, but all Tara wants to do is get the inhaler, get the hell out of there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. Yeah, I don't really, uh, what was the reason that she had to stay? Could they not find the inhaler? Or did she just tell everybody to leave and then this started happening? I, I don't like immediately they walk in, Amber sees them and is like oh the party's over and then they she like takes her up to her room to look for it or something which yeah i i just i I don't know why there's not a lot of pushback from like tara being like you guys don't have to do that i'm just getting my inhaler or maybe they're concerned because you know it's like don't have a party right now idiots i don't know i think it was there, there were like some meaningful looks between sam and amber like Sam basically like, please, can you get these people the fuck out of here? Uh, and it was all like kind of conveyed in looks between one another. And you see Amber kind of like concede and be like, all right, fine, we'll mm. scrap this thing. Uh, and then Richie steps up to yell to everybody get out. And then, um, you know, as we learn from the end of the movie, there may be a motivated reason why mm-hmm. some of these characters might be desirous of, of uh, clearing the place out. Um, yeah. And as they're still sitting there, like the the main friend group uh, isn't budging from the party. So basically, all the extras are leaving. So all the all the people who have no reason to be stabbed, please leave. Uh, the okay. friend, the core friend group, please stay. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, I do. Stabbed, right? What'd you say? It's the principal getting stabbed. Your favorite moment. <laughs> Oh, we're clearing the, out of the yeah, yeah the reason for everybody to leave the party. Let's go yeah. see the body. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, everybody, let's go. <laughs> it's hanging from a flagpole. That's great. <laughs> uh, I do like the exchanges between Mindy and Richie. I think those are pretty funny. Where they they kind of like cycle through all the lines that he's not supposed to say. Um, so first he he asks where a beer is. She says that it's in the basement. He asks if she'll go with him. 
She says, not a chance, <laughs> but you're right to ask. And then immediately after that, he says, I'll be right back. And then they're both like, eh, yeah. I, did, I did enjoy, I did enjoy that exchange. I that was that. fun. Yeah. Jack Quaid did a great job after he said like, all right, I'll be right back. And then he's like, ah, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like the, yeah. yeah it, it felt very lived in. Uh, the only thing I want to say really quick about Mindy is I feel like we haven't talked about her at all. I know. Which, um, she Somehow. Is yeah, right? Like, yeah. she's absolutely more than anything else. She's the Randy stand-in. Like, she's literally his niece. And then also, she's, like, the movie's uh, appreciator slash rules explainer of this one. Um, we'll get a scene here not too long from now where she's watching the mm -hmm. stab uh, depiction of Scream 1 where Randy is lying on the couch saying, Jamie, look behind you, Jamie, as Ghostface is kind of you know, coming up behind him, uh, which is like meta upon meta upon meta upon meta and blah, 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 blah. Again, that, that's a fun scene. And she gets to be one of the fun, more fun teens uh, that are introduced. Um, and I'm glad to see her get more time toward this part of the movie because like she's mm -hmm. finally getting a chance to shine a little bit. These uh, party couch scenes, like I always enjoy them. And I thought this one was was good as well. I, th I like that whole sequence where she's like, telling like randy turn around what are you doing and she's doing the exact same thing that was well done yeah yeah um yeah before that so we get we get most of her scenes at the party and i think she's pretty funny in most of her exchanges because she also has the exchange with uh chad earlier where uh sh uh she also she thinks that Liv is crazy and like he shouldn't even go after her before his whole thing with the stabbing um and i only bring that up because this is the scene where Liv comes back so chad has been stabbed we have no idea like who did it at this point and so she comes back she has blood on her um yeah, she no, that's that. later. She she comes back and she's just like, I don't even know where he is. And this is the most that we've really heard from Liv either. So it's kind of bizarre that she's talking this much. And you kind of see that on Mindy's face too. She's like, why the hell are you telling me any of this? But she like comes in and she's like, I can't find Chad. And Mindy's like, Chad, we're gonna have to find you. And I think that's this is when we're supposed to be like, is it this girl that she said couldn't mm -hmm. be her because she's too boring? Um, <laughs> and then she storms off yet again. I, I think she like has like a she like screams at Mindy for a while, and then she's like, "All right, well, she is a crazy bitch, I guess." That sucked. Both... Yeah, that sucked. I'm sorry. Like, her, <laughs> her, she's only had one line to this point, and it was basically to react to uh, that character calling her too boring to be the killer. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, her only point of existing at this point, and then at this at this part of the movie later on. She's like, oh, yeah, am I too boring? What if I did this? And she's like, goes in like, a <laughs> graphic depiction of like killing somebody or whatever. So now the Mindy character is like, okay, yeah, no, like that is disturbing. Like you are right about that. <laughs> Man, just get rid of Liv as a character altogether. She serves no fucking purpose. Yeah, uh, there is no reason for her to be in this movie at all. Like it was just like an extra, I guess, I, I can't even think of any good thing that she brought to the movie at all. No, except for just like someone to suspect yeah exactly like and it's again not the actor's fault the character is just completely mm -hmm. written she only exists to have this little moment and then earlier in the movie to be like the sex object of this weirdo kyle gallner vic character who uh is who gets killed and also like had no fucking connection to the movie yeah. apart from himself. right so it's just like meaningless character layered upon meaningless character and i'm like i 
I could have used more time with like other people instead of just that's jamming. true I anyway so is yeah. you got you both have seen Scream One more than I have. Is the holding up the hands with blood on it is that in Scream One? Because if not, she does that same thing that Charlie does in Scream Four, which is just another. Why are you doing the exact same things? I get it. Sort of, it's supposed to be like, oh, that Charlie did that. This is another Charlie, or what are we? Or, but it's like, why are you just doing the same things? Like you know, holding up the hands and it's like they're covered in blood and she's like, oh, no, I, I touched the body. I, you know, I found Chad. And it's like, that's like, that was the exact sequence that we saw from Charlie in the last movie. So I don't know if, yeah, yeah I don't know if that happens in Scream Run or not. I don't think it specifically happens. I mean, Stu is covered in blood at one point, but it's, I don't think he does that uh, same hand gesture. Uh, yeah, um, I think all we saw in the first one, I think was like, randy running up with like his limp uh and and sid doubted that he was uh, that, yeah it was, it was mm. Stu and randy came up to the front door yeah and like, randy's gone fucking psycho sid you gotta let me the gun sydney and then uh, she just said fuck you both and slammed the yeah, door. exactly <laughs> isn't scream one such a good fucking movie Damn. hey really we should just watch that every time and talk about it <laughs> see what uh, new things we can say about scream one <laughs> But Paul, no, you're totally right, man. Like it's it's just kind of like it's a callback to a callback to something that didn't expressly happen. So it's kind of like a Xerox of a Xerox, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. And just during like this all... time at the Go ahead, Paul. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna no, say I was just like gonna was... move on. Okay. <laughs> um, I was just gonna it's just another one of those things we've been saying throughout this whole conversation. It's just meaningless character moments because we're not really given any time with these characters not told anything about them really they just sort of exist and they're put into situations that are like it's like that like we should be pointing at the screen and be like i remember that from the better movies like <laughs> the, the, the nothing else beyond that um, so while while the scene's going on um, at the party, uh, Sid and Gail, super team, are tracking. Um, they put a tracker on Sam's car as they left. And Sid realizes that they are going to Stumacher's house. And she's like, what the fuck? Why? Uh, this, this is when she realizes that they are in trouble. Like someone lured them there. And she's mm -hmm. like, this is fucked up. So um, I think she calls and she says... She calls Sam and she's like, you guys got to get out of there. You're at Stu, Stu Mocker's house. And then there's that dramatic slow zoom out and it shows the house and you're like, oh, fuck yeah, that is the house. <laughs> um, I don't think it was as effective as it was before in this movie. I, we keep repeating that, but um, I don't think it was that cool of a reveal that it was Stu's house. I, I think that it, it comes up later as a motive, but it's just like it. It didn't hold the same as as the Scream Four one. Also, Agreed. the the basement is identical. Like the whole time, I was like, "That's the same house." Like <laughs> we've seen these. Like they went down into the the basement to get the beer in the same layout as the first movie. So I just thought that was the case. I didn't even know there was a reveal. Yeah. Um. So from here, we already talked about this, but this is Mindy's big stabbing. So uh, we talked about this, or you did, Paul, with the 
Um, she's watching um, the stab depiction while uh, Ghostface is coming up behind her. So uh, someone else can and fill in the blanks here. Well, it's just that we kind of already did. No, I mean, like yeah. uh, you're doing great. Like she she gets stabbed, and then uh, this is where Samantha happens upon the scene, right? Like she she is. I just said Samantha, even calling her Sam the entire goddamn movie. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it so, just got formal. <laughs> that's right. Now she's become Samantha. <laughs> but no, so like she she intervenes to save, as it turns out, uh, Mindy's character. So she like threatens. She, I think it's a scene where she only threatens Ghostface with like a candle holder or like a, a lamp. She throws the lamp at him and hits him in the head to to like get his attention and also hurt him and then she just like straight up like grabs like a candle like a candle holder and like brandishes it and goes <laughs> and i'm getting the fuck out of here uh <laughs> oh, oh, oh not a candlestick <laughs> which is that's kind of cool uh <laughs> yeah she goes to she goes to mindy and it's clear that like mindy is like maybe gonna bleed out you know it, she's out of the fight one way or the mm-hmm. other um but this is also where we get into like a series of reveals um, as we get into the end game, are I will say for the most part, I think are pretty well done. Because um, all of a sudden you have Amber uh, uh, running in with uh, I can't remember one of the other characters, but so Amber Tara. Is like, oh, she runs in with Tara. That's right. So she's freaking the fuck out immediately, like being accusatory, like why is she stabbed? Why did you do that to her? Like, <laughs> why oh. is she stabbed? <laughs> well, it's like. Uh, I'm sorry, but like Sam isn't wearing like the ghost face costume and also where's the knife? But like Amber, yeah, she's really playing it up. Uh, And then Liv comes in, uh, as Paul mentioned, has blood on their, on her hands. Like, why is there blood on your hands? She's like, I found Chad outside. (laughs) We just now have like 10 teens in one room, all like each other and shit. And like well, Amber was the one that like immediately gave her alibi to you. She was like, I was with Tara, but where was everybody else? Yeah. Like you're just like, all right, okay. Doing way sure, too much. Amber. Yeah. Which is fun though. Like I it ends up being fun, right? But she's yeah, yeah like when I was watching again today is like the only second time I've watched it, but I was just like, she's not doing a good job. Uh not the actor, but like the character Amber. I'm like, she is mm-hmm. doing way too much. Uh and- but- Go ahead if you yeah, got more. That's it. No, go go for it. I was just gonna say live and then live. They literally gave her nothing to say but fuck you for that entire scene. Yeah. So like it was it was getting so annoying. I was like, I was glad when it happened because she was done ta- like screaming that, but she was like, it wasn't me. And then she just goes, fuck you, fuck you, and, and <laughs> fuck you, and uh, uh uh fuck you. And then finally, uh, we get the big reveal um when Amber's like, you know what, fuck this. And finally she shoots Liv in the head, and it is revealed that Amber is one of the ghost face killers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like wasn't the big thing like uh Liv being like, fuck you, it wasn't me, and then uh Amber finally being like, I know, and then shooting her in the yeah. head. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's kind of good. Not I, bad. Not I bad. I didn't hate it. Yeah. Um, I was kind. I was kind of relieved that Liv was done screaming though. So I was like, <laughs> just for a brief second, I was like, "Oh, that was nice." And now I'm like, "Oh no, we're back." What if Amber just put her gun down and was just like, "Okay, now we got to figure out who Ghostface is." <laughs> I had to figure out who did this. <laughs> I had a very, I think you should leave reaction to Liv 
where I was like, you had a whole movie to figure out what your thing is. You <laughs> yeah. What, you do. what do you now, do? Exactly. And like, and now she's acting all out of pocket. Like, no, nah, get her out of here. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, um, so from here, they, they all kind of split up. They all run. So Richie and Sam go into the basement and uh, Sam starts to suspect Richie because he makes a comment that there's usually two ghost face killers. Mm -hmm. I don't know why he chose that time to say time. that, if, mm -hmm. if, if <laughs> knowing what he knows. Um, so it's just kind of like, all right, well, <laughs> thanks for putting that in her head. And then she gets her knife out and she starts to uh, suspect him. And then he tries to put it in her head and you think that she he succeeds. Mm -hmm. He puts it in her head that it might be Tara um and then that's when she's like i don't know who the fuck to trust because she was like oh yeah tara and uh amber were upstairs together doing god knows what planning this um and i so, guess the thought is that it's just that amber was carrying everything out and tara was the mastermind like yeah not I, they're not under the impression that tara was running around doing this i just think that was a little silly still that she's like oh yeah <laughs> Tara, who I've seen several times, who's been <laughs> stabbed in the hospital. It's not like she's faking these horrible injuries. Exactly. And, <laughs> like, oh, been with oh. me almost the entire time. Probably it oh, might come be on now. Like, the original killers uh, ended up trying to get very convincing stab wounds before the police arrived, right? Like, <laughs> so did Sid's uh, niece in the last movie. Right. No, to a, right. a very disturbing degree, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. <laughs> it's not earned whatsoever, but I think that's what the movie's trying to go for, mm -hmm. which is like, a, hey, it happened in Scream 4. Wouldn't it be fucked up if it happened here too? Like after mm -hmm. everything she put herself through? Like, no, you guys didn't sell it good enough. Yeah. And from here too, so we got, we got Richie and Sam in the basement and then Amber is on the porch and this is when Sid and Gail arrive. So they see Amber, she comes outside, she starts to pretend that uh, she's a oh, victim and she's like, yeah. oh, I'm just so, I'm so scared. There's like a killer. And then like, they're like, uh, they, they they suspect her a little at first. They're like, what are we going to do here? And then she goes, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. And she shoots Gail. <laughs> I said, that was good. That was a good it moment was. where they're like, yeah, nice try. And then she's like <laughs> immediately like, okay, yeah, like I, I'm not pulling this off anymore. And um, I thought that was that was an entertaining part of this whole ending and i do like once it's oh, go ahead joe sorry no no i was the uh the the molder and scully uh knowing look between mm -hmm. Sid and gail being like what do you think she's like i think it's a trap and like mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> like, Beautiful. that was so much fun that was yeah. so cool so many things that they could do in their series of Sid and gail i'm saying um, and I do like I do love when Sid gets in there and she she makes the initial call and then she just starts fucking shooting through doors. She's just like oh, I just I, yeah. I, I love that she's doing it, but at the same time I'm like, there's a lot of just people scared in this house, Sid. You gotta <laughs> calm down just a little bit. And it's then like I think maybe... Richie kind of calls that out when she finally gets to the door that he's behind because she's on the phone with Ghostface at this point. Yeah. She's shooting through doors. Right um ghostface is is taunting her um i i don't remember anything specific so if you guys do go ahead and jump in i was just gonna say i thought this was funny that she was she was like she yelled it once at the bottom floor that you have x amount of time you have five seconds to reveal yourself or i'm gonna shoot you kill her or not and <laughs> then does not re like restate this as she goes up she's just yeah. shooting through doors 
And there's several people in this house that are unaccounted for that exactly not wanting to come out in any situation and don't know who to trust, don't know Sydney, and she's just <laughs> shooting people. And yeah, shoots through the door and hits Richie in the leg. I think, in and the he leg. calls her out on that immediately. <laughs> yeah. She's like, "You're just fucking shooting through doors. What the hell are you talking about? You're just shooting everybody." Uh, you know what? I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna do something I know that Kelly might enjoy. I'm gonna do my most principal Skinner. Okay, she was right, she was right to do it. Uh, <laughs> that is the she way it right should be. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I I I love this actually. Uh, this the the call between her and Ghostface is great. Mm. Um, and she does something which she has done previously, but I, I instead of me it coming off as like a retread of, of care of plot beats they've done before, to me it is a consistency of character where. As Ghostface is like doing his whole thing of like Sydney, I wanted you here, blah blah blah. She's like, I'm fucking bored, and she hangs up on him. <laughs> it's so good. It's like right in line with her in like Scream Three, being like, I've heard all this bullshit before. Yeah. Scream Four, she's fucking over it as well, um, and she gets progressively more over it. I love how in this one she says, "I'm bored," and hangs up, and you hear Ghostface yeah. like, no, like, like as she yeah. hangs up I on him. I love that. I love it. Yeah, she gets the upper hand on on him, like denying him this fucking satisfaction that he wants so badly in a way that other legacy characters don't get to do in this movie. And maybe that is on purpose so that this feels so much more um, fantastic when she and Gail are kind of like in their ascendant moment in the movie. Um, I just kind of wish that all the characters got a chance, a, a more of a chance, you know, to kind of show off a bit. But I love that Sid gets to style all over these ghost faces because uh, there is one more that's going to get revealed. I do like I too that that um, that Sydney kind of when, when at least what my remember I remember and I I have only seen this once, but like when Gail gets shot, it's this moment where she's like um, that not like saying anything out loud, just kind of being like you'll be fine, like like. <laughs> you're not you're not dying here it's okay like that's not how you go i'm gonna go do my thing like gail you're you always make it through this so don't worry well she did tell her she had to go to the hospital but it came off yeah. of that space ghost way where he just kept saying that over and over again yeah. we gotta get you boys to the hospital and it just walks off <laughs> it, it must be said because i i do want to give this movie its due where it earns it that that interaction that you two are talking about uh gail caps it off by saying like go get him for dewey yeah mm. i was like okay cool like you know i i liked that but also yes like sid had a very like uh uh business like thing situation being like okay you've been stabbed it's not fatal it's not in the liver uh mm -hmm. we're gonna be good here i'm gonna go take care of business yeah there was no there was no concern that she was like she was gonna die it was just like yeah we'll we'll take care of this but i'm gonna go finish the job here it's the new scream. If you are stabbed less than 17 times, you're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Under these rules, Casey would have lived. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, somebody has to declare that your character has died. They have to say <laughs> they are dead or yeah. they're not They're dead. in the corner bag. Yeah. Um, what's really funny to me after this is, so we've got the reveal of Amber. Um, and then we've seen Amber. She's been on the porch shooting... And we still don't know who the second killer is, but then Ghostface comes back out. Why did Amber put on the Ghostface 
get up again other than just protecting Richie. Like there's no other reason for her to get back in that costume. But she gets back in the ghost face costume to do the stabbing. And then we're, then right after that is the big reveal with Richie and he's got the knife. And then it's like, oh shit, it's Richie. And then you're like, but wait, why is Amber back in the ghost face? <laughs> the only there's no I- other reason. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing I can figure is that she's posing as somebody else. Like, like people might think that there is a second ghost face, so she is like positioning herself as a second ghost face, and Amber is elsewhere. You know, mm. make the person think that she Amber is somewhere else in the house. Mm. I don't know. I'm again, I'm doing work for the movie here. You're <laughs> right. <It's> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now, and now we got the the sweet Richie reveal, which honestly in the theater for the first time, I was not expecting it. I don't know how you guys felt. I think Paul, you said that you suspected him, but I was blown away when I first saw it. I was like, not my dear sweet Richie Meg Ryan's boy. <laughs> I guess I I don't know if I necessarily suspected him as much as I as we've been having this this, this conversation the whole time. I think I eventually was just like they're really just doing one again, aren't they? And I think that because of that, I was like, well, I mean, if they're doing one again, then it's Richie, right? Like it has to be, it's like, unless they, now they really want to, you know, screw with us and do something completely different. Um, And I, when they took the hood off and it was him, I was just, I didn't have any sort of reaction. I don't think I really, knew who it was going to be when they took the hood off but it was just like well, i saw it and i was I like ah, of course he didn't get a hood off did he he just said he was Ghostface. no is so yeah right? yeah okay. what what, it, what happens is uh sid is um going through the house shooting through doors as as we talked about shoots richie uh and he's like what the hell uh and then Ghostface pops out of nowhere uh, tackles Sid over a balcony. Both Ghostface and Sid fall to the the first floor, mm-hmm. and they're like groggy. Uh, the gun that Sid has, you know, flies away a little bit from her, closer to where the 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 stairway is. And Richie comes out uh, from the top of the stairway, and Sid's like, "Richie, get the gun." Richie's uh... like, yeah, "I'm trying to. You shot me, you asshole." Uh, <laughs> he hobbles down the stairs, and uh, they very. Or I, the person who gets the gun first is Sam. Sam appears and grabs the gun, and then uh, Richie stabs her in the gut and says, uh, "I want, I wanted to be the one to murder you or kill you or whatever." Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's his big reveal moment. Does there's no hood takeoff or whatever? But I, I think it's a good reveal. Uh, it's uh, like Kelly was saying. I think the movie did a pretty good job with it. Um, my my impression of the character was like you know, as a Scream fan, I'm watching it being like, okay, well, he's like 25% too caring uh, mm. to not be a suspect. You know what I mean? Like he was so nice that you're like, okay, well, he's clearly a suspect, but they put so much work into making him like likable and mm. uh, feckless in some ways that I thought the reveal still ended up being pretty good. I, I liked it. There's a Plus, lot that I, you- He went, I'm just going to say this real quick, Paul. He went full into rewatching all these stabs while he was by himself to sell that he's never seen them. So he's watching them by himself being blown away, which makes sense with, with what their motive is later. But it's like, okay, so I'm watching this guy watching this movie by himself 
essentially yeah. in the movie being blown away and he's like, he's doing acting all the time he's really in yeah, the role he's in it yeah, yeah it's good what were you gonna say i was gonna say i think thinking about it more because again i i don't think i suspected him i think that when they did the reveal it was like you're both saying like part of it was okay it's the boyfriend also part of it was like why though like they didn't do like i was like i said a lot with jill in the last one it was like something felt a little bit off i didn't suspect her but it made sense to me at the end and this one i'm just like whatever like that's fine it's him cool like i just don't think they did a good job of making it believable they were dating for six months um sam and and sam and richie uh, prior to the events of this movie had been dating that was established in this the film that they were dating for six months and that is a long time to spend with somebody and not like it's just what it, it's the long con for Richie for one thing and secondly it's like that's a long time for somebody to to spend with somebody else and still trust that I mean there were moments where Sam didn't trust him in this movie but that's just because nobody was trusting anybody but like for them to have been dating that long and then for them for how he was portrayed in this entire movie where it was just like you're both saying where he's a very likable guy he's a very caring guy there are moments where he genuinely seems like he's just enjoying himself watching these movies very inappropriate to be watching the film in the hospital uh well somebody Mm. just got stabbed so um that maybe was a red flag but I don't know. I guess it's just like that to me because it was like it when I when they revealed it was him. I was just like, I don't know. I, I uh, you're like sure. this whole time. This guy had a secret teenage online Reddit girlfriend. That too. He's dating <laughs> some underage girl, and like, I know, like they never really address that at all. Yeah. But like they call each other baby and hun, and like she's got to be like seventeen, right? And he's gotta be in his late or early 20s maybe like 24 25 yeah that's how he's coded for sure yeah Yeah. uh, i think we can just say it right here in terms of like what our personal feelings about it are i think as personal motivations go this is the worst tandem Mm. we've had Uh, i wrote that i was like stupidest motive so far yeah it sucks it's it's not good and so much of it depends on that same sort of credulity that Scream 4 worked off of where they were going with the whole meta narrative of, the, of like, we got to start this whole thing over again. Like we got to, we got to reboot the franchise. We got to give the franchise like what it deserves and give fans what they deserve. Like that was all a huge part of, of four. And so you're just retreading that. And then uh, you're reconfiguring who the ghost faces are like, okay, this time it's the boyfriend. And uh, the best friend, it's the Tatum stand-in or whatever this time. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, none of it worked for me. Uh, the only reason why I do like any of this sequence is because I think Jack Quaid is doing a great job. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's. I think his character Richie is fun. And I think his performance in this turn is good. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say like it's Shakespeare or anything like that. But uh, between the two of them, I, I think... Uh, Amber's performance from here on out is just so fucking tired. Like I, I, 
again, I don't blame the actor. I think it's what they were probably trying to get her to do and also what's on the page. But like, again, she's the one of the two who has to do like the stew mocker spitting while you talk, like getting yourself worked up into a lather. And I'm the one of the tandem who has no real connection to any of this, uh, except for like, I just, I, I like crazy shit. Uh, that's like her whole deal and it sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. Get, yeah, she was annoying. And it, it like, I, I feel like she did the, the thing too many times where she like pretended to be the victim and then snapped back to like saying something else. I'm like, just shut up. Just, just die already. But I do think that uh, Richie also had some stew in him at, to, at the point where once they both reveal his ghost face they just like nothing goes well for them after that at all. Like they mm -hmm. never really get the upper hand after that. <laughs> and I do love how Richie played it. And it kind of uh, paralleled Stu's thing where he just got sad or he's just kind of like, come on, just let me do it. Like, just let me have my movie. Yeah. And then uh, like that, I loved that with Richie because it's just kind of like, why isn't this working? Like I watched all, I did all the research and <laughs> yeah. now I want to kill people. <laughs> just let me do it. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun to just see them absolutely get their ass kicked. Get a very <laughs> brutal kill. Uh, you're okay with me talk, moving ahead with Amber? And, yeah, well, we, well, walk through it because I, you know, again, don't have the best memory for this. So, so from here, uh, the first thing that happens is, so they've got everyone pretty cornered in the kitchen. Um, I think they, I think they had shot or stabbed Sid at this point, but everyone's kind of like, um, they've got the gun they're they're they have everybody accounted for and then Richie makes the statement where he's like I even had you like uh suspecting your own fucking sister and then mm -hmm. that's when it's revealed that uh Sam never suspected Tara and she did untie her and Amber went to get her and she's like she's not here and so Richie's like I'm not I, like like your gimpy little sister's gonna do anything is what he says mm -hmm. um and then that's when she shows exactly what she can do she beats the shit out of Amber with a uh I'm blanking on what they're called, but the the My things crutch. you walk with. Yeah, yeah, I was like, why can't I think of that? <laughs> so yeah, she beats the shit out of Amber with a crutch. And then this is when um, it kind of power moves to uh, all these characters against Richie and Amber. So we have like the big, it's it's uh, Sid and Gail mostly against Amber. They, they hit her with the hand sanitizer. She gets covered in it um she keeps having these back sass comments and like they they feel sorry for her twice i think and then she like she calls dewey a, a pussy and i think that was the end of them feeling sorry for her for anything that she does in the future so that's where we are right now uh if you guys want to jump in i've been talking for a little bit <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's really fun the way it splits up is uh they're all in the kitchen together talking about their motivations and shit which are you know as we discussed kind of tired uh sid kind of makes half a move and that's when amber stabs her uh again always in the left or sorry uh the right hand side of the uh of the person being stabbed where your liver is not uh so they're, they're going <laughs> way out of their way to be like oh okay it's not it's not a it's not a kill shot anyway um so yeah i just thought that part was fun because it creates a little chaos like sid makes a move she gets stabbed in the gut of course, just like in the last movie, they're like, oh, well, maybe Sydney could die in this movie. Uh, at that point, though, um, Richie is like, whoa, 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 like trying to get control of the situation. Like he apologizes to Sydney. He's like, I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like it, it, it should not have happened okay. like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I did like that. Like Richie has a very like rigid 
and uh, uh, you know, set forth idea of how this all needs to go. Uh, in, well, he's in, got a movie to make. He's got a a, a written movie. So exactly. Go ahead. Yeah. And and Amber is fucking that shit up by being <laughs> too stab happy. Um, so that's exactly the scene that you were talking about, Kelly, where he's like, okay, go get, uh, go get our, our new Sydney or whatever, you know, go get Tara. And then, uh, they find out that Tara is gone. And that's when Sam says, Hey, motherfucker, you're not as persuasive as you think you are. I untied her. Uh, and Richie says, Oh yeah, like she's going to do a whole lot in her condition. Um, but he does split up to go find, uh, Tara. And that leaves Sam in the kitchen with Sid and Gail that is where Sid uh, tries to get the drop on her by hitting her in the head with a the the you know vase full of uh, of hand sanitizer. I don't actually say vase; I say face. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, so like that that I, I I had forgotten how this movie ended, so I only wanted to double back on that just to say that like when she like shattered the glass of hand sanitizer all over Amber, I was just like, ah, oh, that's like weirdly specific. Um, mm-hmm. She even yells it. She's like, what is this hand sanitizer? Like, she <laughs> yeah. yells it out loud so we know exactly what she's coded yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. I was like, <sighs> okay, shit. Uh, I, and I, I'm a dumbass. I should have figured out where, where this was going, but I didn't, of course. Um, <laughs> as 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 things are progressing, you know, Sid and Gail are uh, kind of in a tete-a-tete with, uh, they're both hurt at this point and trying to get the best of Amber. And uh, it finally comes down where uh they you know they they do they do manage to get the drop on her by she's trying to choke out gail like choke the life out of her she's like bragging about like i'm gonna get you and dewey um and that's when sid how how does Sid get her off like she she knocks her off gail and then hands gail the gun yeah i'm trying to remember too i don't know yeah so in any event amber is like is distracted by trying to kill uh gail uh sid knocks her off and then um i think gail says like you want to take this one and sid was like this one's yours and hands the gun over and uh gail puts the gun down on amber amber is like no please i'm sorry i was a victim blah 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 and gail's like fuck you and shoots her like <laughs> three times in the chest uh and then as she's like flopping around she's getting shot right in front of the the oven and the the stovetop like the gas turns on the the flame comes up the pilot flame and she goes face down onto the oven top and then bursts into flame because the uh, the hand sanitizer hand sanitizer catches fire and she just like burns to death in front of them. Well, Joe, you skipped one part. Uh, oh, shit. You didn't, <laughs> well, you didn't skip anything. But uh, I do like that she says the line that she wants to pass the torch and then uh, she gets uh, set on fire and then Sid gets her line where uh, enjoy that torch. I just like to, I just like to bring up the sassy lines. I just I wish Sydney yeah. would have just said "fuck you" in that scene. <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't be Sid if she didn't get her little sassy comment. No, I'm okay? kidding. It's just because they kept they kept screaming "fucking." It's just like come up with a new line, guys. Like it's mm. always effective because Gail usually yells it once, and they do it like ninety times. It feels like I don't know. <laughs> I think they've used up like 17 of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up though, Kelly, because I actually missed that this time around. There were so many like loud gunshots and explosions and shit happening that like it was I, I turned the volume down so my neighbors would, you know, wouldn't think that I'm a psycho. Yeah, uh, I had to do that too. 
Yeah, my windows were open. Uh, and so the dialogue was kind of low. I didn't actually catch that line from Sid about the uh, enjoy that torch. I literally thought they were just like burning the, the movie, you know, was letting you watch Amber burn alive because she had talked so much shit about Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> What's it say about me that I just left all my windows open with my neighbors hearing everything without turning it down at all? <laughs> and uh, she kills Dewey, right? I mean, she's yeah, the she's the one race, that stabbed Dewey, yeah, which just sucks so much. I have to say, a lot of this, it, it, my opinions often of these movies change with these conversations simply because I'm watching it for the first time. And there's a lot of things I didn't put together. So a lot of my Richie complaints, I didn't really reconsider like watching it again and seeing it as him the killer. So it's just interesting to be like going back through. It's like, oh yeah, that did happen. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> uh, Sam did like never thought Tara was the killer. Like, you know, just things that I didn't quite click with me on a first watch. It's just interesting to like start to kind of a couple of the the things that uh, my big big issues I'm like that's not as bad as I I you know thought I might watch the hmm. um, cool. so from here I think that we're on we're on the final showdown between Sam and Richie uh, unless I skipped anything so one of you stop me if I did no go for it um so from here this this is uh, where Billy Loomis comes back into play for a little Ugh. bit to, for a big finale. <laughs> uh, it sounds like everyone's excited. Um, so uh, he's on top of her. He's choking her. He's saying some uh, uh, crazy things about like his movie. And so she, this whole time, is trying to reach for a knife that's nearby while he's trying to choke her out. Um, and then this is uh, Billy Loomis's Obi-Wan moment where he's like standing there being like, reach inside you, be the serial killer that I am. Steal your Loomis. Um, so she finally gets the upper hand. She gets the knife. She stabs him. She stabs him so A many lot. fucking times. She goes full stabby stabs. Um, she, yeah, she makes sure that guy is fucking dead. Yeah, that was that was a violent, uh, violent death that we don't normally see the the protagonist of the movie carry out but she was ready and speaking of the the whole obi-wan billy moment i i i was interested to see what you both thought about this because i thought that was so silly because i i did not <laughs> i didn't hate any of the i i like seeing billy back i liked the whole idea of him but like her being billy's daughter and you know, like him coming back and like having that conflict but just that sequence where she was because it really it's just like I don't think she like knew where the knife was or something like that. And he was like, hey, look behind the curtain there. And that's where the <laughs> knife was. And it, like there's just that moment where like exactly what you said is this Obi-Wan like coming back, like, use the force. Like, like get the knife, Sam. <laughs> and then she grabs it. And it's like not really like there's not really any sort of like at least that I saw in my first watch there, there wasn't any sort of like nonverbal, you know, with Sam where I thought she was like starting to realize like, you know, or like coming to terms with that or figuring out what that means or, you know, like maybe having second thoughts about stabbing him. It was just kind of like, like Billy told her where the knife was. She grabbed him, stabbed the shit out of him 90 yeah. times. 
And I do, I do love Richie's final, just, uh, what about my ending? And then she yeah. just, like, has that little bummer, sad look. I think, I can't remember what her, her comeback was. I think she just says, fuck your ending or something before yeah. she starts stabbing. But I did like his pathetic little, oh, everything's ruined. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's an ending. Like, it's different. Um. I do like that, like the violence and like the the hyper uh, uh, portrayal, like the the, the over portrayal of mm-hmm. violence and, and grizz, you know, grizzle and all that shit, is in service of the killer getting comeuppance. Like that's that is fun uh, in, from a certain perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't love like the way that they lovingly show like so much stabbing in this movie. Uh, it's one of the turnoffs for me. It's what it's, it makes it feel less like a, a scream movie to me. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that somebody else feels that way. But, um, but I also understand how like heightening is also uh, perhaps like something that just has to come with a movie series being restarted 20 years after the original one was started. Right. Like I, I kind of, yeah. I think that the, that the extra, the crazy amount and like the, extra gore factor i guess of the stabbing it that's what really felt very not Wes craven so i feel like he he loved his characters a little more than i think these directors did and i know that they were trying to like be like him in these movies but i think the the love for those characters just didn't really come through and i think that he did pull away when it came to the like the extra like gore and stabbing because he's kind of like all right you get it like we're done with that let's move on um, and that this movie was just kind of like, oh, no, let's fucking look at it. But it's yeah. also it's strange Sorry, because it's like they they do the the increased violence and and the stabbing, but also they make it seem as we talked about a lot that they don't make it even seem like it. There's that much of a consequence to it because it's we see so many of these characters bounce back and yeah. like so many of the characters come back and it, it's like they're i don't know they're increasing the violence decreasing the kills and it's just a strange like a strange effect it has on these films i totally agree with that but also from a certain standpoint that's exactly what you have to do right like if what you're gonna do is deliver for people like the most disgusting shit you've seen in this franchise thus far but also like by definition, that should kill literally anybody who ever gets any kind of consequence in this movie. But you can't do that because you're trying to like maintain some of these characters for future sequels. Like it becomes this logical, um, you know, contradiction that you absolutely have locked yourself into unnecessarily by choosing both of those aesthetics. Right? right? Uh, it's it's a very weird choice to me. But again, I also like I said, I understand that like um, there is more it, any horror franchise you can look at you can kind of see like an increase in gore and visceral quality right like halloween you see it the freddy movies you see it like they get more inventive more more bloody and all that stuff but um for me there's a a point at which you kind of go from like normal bounds of of with the, the franchise has established for itself over the past four or five movies uh four movies i guess to then like getting into like Eli Roth territory, which like I have no interest in. Like I don't I don't want to watch torture porn. Well, let's right. also it's like okay, just comparing it as we've been doing this whole time to four. 
four up the violence. But what did four also do is that they made it, they gave us, even if it was ridiculous, we got the lady who got flung off and, and lands on the car in the parking garage, the lady that got gutted in a scene that I didn't particularly like, but it was like something you hadn't seen in the screen movie before where she had her guts out. And the guy that got stabbed through the fucking head and these scenes of like, this one, I feel like it was just a lot of quick stabbing. And like, there was a couple of them that were like, particularly like the West one where he gets the, like, you kind of see the whole thing go through his head. Like that one was upsetting visually, but for the most part, it was a lot of just quick stabbing. And then a cut to like for Chad where it's like, oh, he's moving a little bit. And I immediately was like, well, he's fine. Like <laughs> he's going to make it through this. Like um that's the other part of it it's not that they're increasing the they're not increasing the quality of it they're increasing the intensity of it and like the like aftermath like picturing of what these have to go through leaving them alive but it's like the same time they're not really giving us interest it's like the very not the first kill yeah the first kill uh the what's the character's name that we met for a minute and then he dies it's like we Thanks. all thought like this is going to be pretty stupid. He goes faces in a car. Like, what is he going to do? Ram him into the wall. But it's like, oh, he gets out and stabs him a bunch. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like, that's, we don't, there's not any, any one of them really that stands out to me too much. It's just I, I, like. I agree with what you're saying in terms of like quality and in terms of like interesting, you know, sort of ways to pull it off. I do think that in that, in Scream 4, there was the death of the character. I wish I could remember her name where you see the aftermath and her room is just, you know, slathered in blood and her mm -hmm. intestines are out. Like that was absolutely really rough. And it was an escalation of anything they had really done before. But every other one of those killings in that movie were relatively chaste. It was a stab to the gut and that was all it took and they were dead. Uh, it was kind of like a one time that's it. And it felt more realistic in that way. In this movie, literally fucking everybody gets jabbed like mm -hmm. 10,000 times. We spend so much time watching the knife go in, go in, go in, go in, get pulled out, held up for a, a moment to like, to, to gaze upon it and then back down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Chad gets it so bad. Uh, Richie here at the end is like, it's, I'm going to say it's disgusting. Like Richie, it, it gets to the territory where you want to be like, stop it, stop it. He's yeah. already dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's fucking gross. It, it pays off the Billy Loomis <laughs> aspect of it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But her like stabbing him a bunch of times and then like through the side of the mouth and then like finally slitting his throat. Like it's he so gets, much. It's so much. And, and that is, I think, very in line with all pretty much all of the deaths in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, we're just like, man, like, I just, I don't feel any kind of like humanity in this fucking movie whatsoever. That's Whereas, what it is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. In earlier movies, it felt like there was more gravity, like Sydney being so upset about all these people dying because of her in her mind um, meant so much more when like the deaths felt less like gratuitous, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so coming coming on the end of this movie, so we still have one more big death because we, we think Amber's dead, but we get Richie's big stabbing 
And then they they all say uh, they always come back. So they're all looking at Richie, waiting for him to come back. But instead, Amber comes somehow. There's no fucking way. But somehow <laughs> she gets up this. and comes yeah. back into the room screaming. And Tara just shoots her. And uh, that is the the final kill of the movie. All of the winded, wounded, dark-haired women are standing together, ready <laughs> to ready to be done with this day. Me so, too, uh, dark-haired women. <laughs> I just, I suffered through so much. <laughs> so after this, it's just the wrap-up scenes where they're all sitting at the ambulance. Uh, we see one by one the characters who should be fucking dead are not so we see chad and mindy give each other a thumbs up and we realize that they are both going to be just fine for the next movie um and we see gail and sydney are sitting together um tara is about to go to the hospital she says a different hospital this time please and they so they just respond yep like they know exactly what she's talking about (laughs) um so yeah it's just a wrap up and (laughs) well must something we're not gonna ask about it um this is when sam goes to thank sydney and gail so this is just the wrap up um she gets another apology about dewey and this is when gail is like i'm gonna i'm not gonna write a book about this because she's finally learned a lesson after four screams that she's got to stop writing these fucking books and then she's like i'm gonna write a book about a nice sheriff and then Sydney's like, I'd like to read that book, which is kind of lame, but I like this. It's all right. It. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's We're a, allowed it, this, damn it, after we had so much taken from us. <laughs> We're allowed to enjoy this. It's like, it's it's a little like cheesy, but not in a way that's unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people would say that and then to comfort somebody, that's that's kind of what you'd say. Like, it's, I just feel like that's a very real moment, even if it's a little like, yeah, it's going to be kind of awkward or i'm not gonna read easy. that fucking book Gil. yeah <laughs> uh i'm sorry i i will guarantee that sid's gonna read that book just the same <laughs> way that dewey read her book and let yes. her know by referencing it in the yeah. last that moment rocked i guarantee yeah. that she will okay so we pretty much wrapped up on the movie that that's the ending they have a nice credit for four wests at the very end which is sweet because that's a nice tribute to west craven and then they do the, I, this is always my favorite kind of uh, credit scene. I love when they do the credits where they do like a little video of the person and show the name. So you can be like, yeah, it's them. Yeah, it's them. I like that. And mm-hmm. I'm glad they did it for this movie. But yeah, that's that's a wrap on Scream 5 or Scream. Yeah, they did a great job on that part. Uh, that was a callback, obviously, the very first movie where they did the exact same thing. This this probably has the strongest soundtrack uh, of of any other movie except the first Scream, so that's kind of fun. Um, it did it did some things well, like we've been talking about. There are a lot of things to recommend this movie, even if it's not my favorite in the series or really even my top three. So I guess that's that's where we'll take it from here. Is this uh Paul, you said this wasn't your last movie, right? No, this is my last one. This is... Oh, so Joe, you said that. Who said that? Yeah, that that was me. Uh I okay. would say just just taking the lead on it. Uh I would say that it, for me it's uh Scream 1, Scream 4, then 2, then this one, then 3. Paul um, okay, so I'm revising my list again because I've realized 
something with this movie in particular is that there are, I think there there are two movies that are, I like all of these movies for one reason or another, but I think there are two that are particularly special and I think that's one and four. And I can't really, I like the ending of two so much, but I really don't think it's honestly justified enough throughout the rest of the movie. I think there's enough in it that I have an issue with that I don't think it deserves to be enough one. Uh, that being said, I still put four first because I just was wow. absolutely blown away by it. And I like I like the ghost face more. Um, I just thought that whole sequence was so good. I thought the entire movie was just so well done. It was cool to see them come back and and like do it's kind of present it as it's being a a reboot, a requel, but turning it on its head and pulling it off so well. Um, I just I really, really love that movie. And I I um I have it before one. I have one second. I have two after that because of the ending. Um and then, yeah, and then three and then five for me. Well, all right. Yeah, ours is similar. I, I have one, four, two, three, five. So. Okay, yeah. So, oh, Kelly and me are the same except for the last two are flipped. Oh, you, oh yeah, you're you're a three hater. I forgot. I'm not a three hater. I, I really, <laughs> I struggle with this shit so much, especially because you know we had Kelator on last episode and she was really singing the praises of three. And I, I totally agree with everybody. Like we talked about it and I love the cast in it so much. Warburton, Posey, so on and so forth. It's just the, the mystery itself, the reveal, the final killer, all of it is so fucking poor. I just, I can't get over it. I feel like this is a better constructed movie than three is. And that's really where things come down to it. Even if I have problems with this one, I think the the highlights are higher from a franchise perspective. Um, so that's where I end up coming down on it. But I do appreciate that uh, everybody but me has Wes Craven's uh, movies in the top four. <laughs> the thing about three just... for me is that I just, I all. I think it's a lot of dumb fun. And I think it's like, it's where it's kind of where you feel like you're supposed to be in a uh, trilogy of, of a slasher film is three is going to get kind of dumb. And I appreciate that it, it kind of leaned into it a little bit. And I, I just, I have a good time with that one. I agree that I, I really dislike the ending. I still probably, well, I don't know. We'll talk about Ghostface, I guess, but, um, yeah, I don't I don't like a lot of that stuff. I don't think that they justified a lot of it, but I still think it's a lot of fun to watch. So dumb, but so fun. Like I, I love it. I'm sorry. I can still put other movies ahead of it, but it's still I like it, it's one of the ones I just I love rewatching it because I I probably mostly for the Parker Posey, like if we do the Sid and Gale stuff, I would want Parker Posey to be involved in some way because I did love her and Gale's uh, little detective team as well. Yes. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sister, she, needs to, she needs to be doing paperwork in the office or something and constantly be annoying Gale with something. <laughs> yeah, like her whole deal should be like, my sister idolized you and died. Uh, it's like she's the twin sister of of Parker's character. Uh, yeah, and being like, <laughs> "You owe me this." Just having like a you know a, like a character dynamic with Gail would rock. Oh, that'd be so good. Oh, Hollywood, what are you doing? <laughs> Make this happen. 
All right, we've got three characters now. We've got we've got some footing. All right, should we uh, rank ghost faces? Mine's gonna be pretty much the same as my my movies. Um, if you guys have extra stuff, I'm just that's just me personally. So if you guys have extra ghost faces, I th- definitely these new two ghost faces are my dead last ghost faces. So okay, yeah, I I, I am different on that. I mm-hmm. I think. For me, really? Roman, Roman's the absolute worst. He'll no one will ever be worse than him. A part of it's the reveal and how much it sucked. Part of it was like how the uh, you know, again, Scott Speedman, I don't have any ill will against you, dog. It's just like that shit was not working for me. Um, none of that uh felt earned or good. So for me, top to bottom, it's Billy, Billy's mom, then Jill, then Stu, then Mickey. I, I like Mickey more than than some. Uh, Kellator, I don't think was too big on Mickey, but uh, I think we love Mickey. We love Mickey on this. Yeah, this, this group loves Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, then that's where the first uh, next one comes in for me from this movie. Richie, I think, is right below Mickey. Like similar motivations, um, and then Charlie after that, just because I I kind of liked his vibe more than than amber but amber for me is like it's just her and, and roman are, are fighting for dead last i do hate I, amber i i think amber is probably worse than roman for me i can see that i could totally i could totally see that i don't think i hate roman as much as you guys do go ahead paul i keep interrupting i don't hate roman but i do think it's the least i i'm the least interested in that whole whole like ending and and how it wrapped up and i just for that like Amber left some sort of an impression. I didn't like her, but she had some moments. You know, she did You're some right. things. Roman's very forgettable. <laughs> like she, she's stuck. Like there are scenes in there. I'm like, yeah, I could, I could call that, or I kind of want to see that again. So I'm putting her slightly above. I do have them. I do have Roman dead last. I have her second. Um, I my list is all over the place because I haven't really given it enough thought i don't think i i know i need to actually prepare for that because i like write all my notes for the movie and then i'm never prepared to do like the ghost face stuff i know like on the fly trying to figure it out that's the thing i want to sit down write them out and start to really move them around and and like read it out and like see if i'm like okay i'm set with this one but like off the cuff here i have joe first still uh mrs loomis second um uh i this is where it gets tough for me i i because i love you know how much i love we all love mickey but i just i i really was on the edge of my seat when he was doing his thing and like this is not again for my ranking this is me having seen it i've seen this the second one i think twice but they were very far apart and i'm sure if i watched it again knowing that i would probably not be happy with him but just because he gave such a good performance i probably have to put him next uh Scream one, I'd put after that. I like both of those characters a lot. I like Billy a little bit more because of this movie, to be honest. Um, hmm. It was cool to see him come back. I think he does a, a, he does a good job with the limited, uh, what they give him in this. And um, I put Billy before Stu. And I kind of lost track of, of who I even have on there. Charlie, I... <laughs> I like Charlie. I don't even like, I kind of forgot to put him on there. He's a good like sidekick character. I like that their whole dynamic. Um, he's probably after those two from one. And then uh, did I forget anyone? I don't know. Um, no, you got it. 
so that's that's my list right now that's if i go back and watch them again this would change drastically but for just for the one time i've watched all these recently that's that's where i land i would definitely I just like that mickey was just manic like he didn't even have like i feel like he had the least motive of all these people but he was just like so fun just because he's like so on board and so like yeah like kelly to your point though to your point all of these movies have involved at least one with the exception of roman i mean he tried to get to those heights and just couldn't do it but every single one of these killer reveals have had at least one of the killer pairs be this person who's like on a manic tear being like mm-hmm. yeah mickey, like i'm crazy blah, 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 blah. <laughs> only mickey pulls it off like it's yeah. only mickey pulls it off well he's got that special crazy look in his eye that it just uh, timmy elephant just always has no matter what he's doing he that's just beautiful towards him but like i think he yeah you're right he pulls it off so well he does, and it, but it's not just the. It, it is absolutely a huge part of it. Is like the crazy eyes, like that's a great thing that he's got going for him in all of his roles. But like, um, in the first movie, you had Matthew Lillard, who like, I'm I'm not joking. I I genuinely think that they have so many scenes of these car- these uh, killers. You know, one of the killers acting so um, manic and like literally spitting while they talk. Like, I guarantee it's because he did that in the first mm-hmm. movie. Like he did such a great memorable performance in that first movie doing his uh, his reveal. And they've been trying to recapture that magic with at least one of the characters ever since. I think he belongs in the same conversation as like a great, you know, a performance of, of doing that kind of thing. But the only person who has come close to matching it and maybe exceeding it even has been Tim Oliphant. That's it. Like mm-hmm. those are the only two guys. Everyone else needs to stop trying to do it. Like whatever producers are telling them like, no, you need to do like the stew speech where you like, yeah, stop, stop doing it. Uh, only yeah, to the, yeah. The dumb guy has been done. The, the dumb guy that's been duped. Like, and he did such a great job. Like I love him so much. I hope like, I, I don't think it'll happen at this point just because they brought back so many people, but like, fans have been trying to get him back in there because you don't see him die in the first one like you just see the tv fall on his head and then that's it which you would think would kill a person but we've seen lately that that that's not, <laughs> the, not case. the case yeah so um it could still happen but i don't know how a good story would come out of that so we'll see yeah he'd have to be the charles manson that's what i keep pitching he's in jail and he's like working from the inside mm. um yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think that that Mickey, like, seriously, I did not care at all that the, the motive wasn't great. I was just in in the fact that then they bring out Mrs. Loomis and she somehow matches that. And then we just get this unbelievable finale. Like, really, I don't care at all. It's like when I was a kid and I would just turn on the end of Star Wars when they do the trench run. And it's like, I don't need to see the rest of this movie. I just want to watch this. Like, I feel like that's where I'm just like, I want to just keep watching this. And it's so good that it's there. Like, again, like, even if this move, the movie was a little rough, I they're so good that they're always going to be, I think, near the top of my list. Absolutely. And I, I think that Charlie kind of does something else with it. I think that Charlie is a, not trying so hard to be manic. He is a little manic, but he's doing something different with the role. And I like what he's Char- doing. 
Yeah, I agree. Charlie brought a whole new energy that no one else really had, which was nice. Yeah, that was the most Culkin ass energy. Anybody yes, <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so we've decided then what's going to happen is it's going to be um, Sid and Gail, and they're going to have a traveling, uh, you know, serial killer uh, detective agency. Uh, they're going to have Parker Posey is like the uh, sassy um, receptionist slash like, you know, on field agent with them. And then uh, they're going to work with Matt Lillard's stew character uh, from behind bars. He's going to inform, help inform. Uh, yes. Hannibal mm. uh, Lecter style. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I like it. All right. This thing's got legs. Let's go. <laughs> We've done it. Let's all quit our jobs. We got this now. <laughs> I know I'm tempting fate here, but honestly, if somebody listening to this actually steals that idea and makes it happen, I don't give a shit. I just want to see it. <laughs> yeah, take it, run with it. If you have connections and you think it's a good idea, uh, you know, just uh, shout us out. But I have been worried about that one LA person that listens every week. So <laughs> we're, we're just waiting for that juicy idea. They know it's on here. <laughs> <laughs> they're like these kids got something i don't know what and i'm listening to a lot of shit but i mean it's coming i do want to get paid but also like more anything else i want to see this show so just show yeah it. yeah just give us the show do what you got to do all right <laughs> folks well this is a good one and we've only got one left at least for now it's going to be a while before seven if there is a seven but we've got six uh, I'm I'm excited to do six. Uh, this was a fun conversation. So, uh, does anybody have anything to say to, to before we wrap up? No, Final I think thoughts? this one was fun. I think that we we are at our best when the movie is not very good. It helps because before <laughs> that, uh, I feel like when the movie's good, we just compliment it the whole time, and then we're like, "All right, we'll see you all later." <laughs> so this was fun. Yeah. Not that they're not all fun. I'm just saying. On that note. thank you all and have a good night night night